two, three, four. In this podcast, you will only hear Knights of Vader, Knights of Vader, includes but is not led to who talk of Star Wars, not Reagans. We can't truly prepare for the jump that follows this song, but hey, we give it a try. So here's the Knights of Vader. Crystal Fox reports they are divided. For equal sequel, hate and love they fight I know that we are just musicians hired. And their time is up, so here's the Knights of Vader. Most impressive. A big thank you to An Inspiriority Complex for providing our theme song. It is April 1st, 2021. My name is Zach Weber, and joining me today is my Cinemati's co-host, Rob. I'm back, and you're welcome for the theme song. <laughs> and the premier third or fourth best Canadian Star Wars vintage Canadian uh, collector in all of Canada, Chris Porteous. Glad to be here to discuss what is by far the most underrated chapter of the Alien franchise. And joining his first inaugural appearance, not just on Knights of Vader, but on any podcast, is Mr. Joe Yazo. Hey, nice to be here. Thanks for the invite. And last but not least, the only reason why anybody tunes into this podcast, Zenger. I prefer to be called Grand Admiral Zenger from here on out. <laughs> Another Zenger persona. Do you have a yeah, drink I also on got this today, too. I got this. So, it's on. He has Stormbreaker. He bought the $200 Stormbreaker prop. No, it's just a regular <laughs> Mjolnir. But Judge Zenger could come out because um, I want to pass judgment on this freaking thing I was forced to watch instead of, I don't know, watching Paint Dry, watching the Zack Snyder cut. Again. Watching the original Justice League movie and crying at the fact that it could have been so much better. Good, I want that. <laughs> oh man! All right, going around. No, the I had to watch the third best Alien movie. Mm. Ooh, I, even there we go. Now we're talking. <laughs> this is gonna be fascinating. What All am right. I including in that? I, I am intrigued by that. All right, going around the room. Most important question. Who here has watched Jack, Zack Snyder's Justice League yet? <laughs> I, got, uh, I got those first 15 minutes and the epilogue. <laughs> all right. All kidding aside, um, we are for our, as we all know, we do these wonky April 1st episodes. We didn't do one last year because Zack was going through an emotional rut. And little did Zack know at the time of April Fool's Day last year that uh, a doom was not just on the horizon for him, but for all of mankind. Uh, but we are back. We are back in the saddle, baby. So uh, we are talking about Alien to the Third Power. Uh, this is a oh, Chris thank Porteous. You. Thank you so much for making that joke. I was I was hoping I wouldn't have to. Yes, it's <laughs> Alien to the Third Power. I will let Rob tell the other joke that he'll definitely get to when it comes to this title. Um, this is a Chris Porteous idea, as we've known now on Knights of Vader for how many episodes? Uh, Chris is like maybe I don't know. I don't think he's the only person carrying a torch this film because I know there's a lot of misguided people on the interwebs that like somehow proclaim this is like a hidden uh, masterpiece. My, my Rob is, I believe, one of those people championing this. Oh thing. God! Oh God! It's, it's spreading, Rob. It's spreading. We have to. We have to like stomp out this infection because <laughs> um, I think we all know Rob will. Okay, we'll let Rob tell his opinions. But yes, yeah, so we are doing Alien Three because of uh, Chris. Chris, do you want to explain to the audience at home? 
why we are doing this. You know, it's been it's been so long. I don't know if any of us remember why we're still doing this. But <laughs> the key the key here to really appreciate is that there's a lot of I think I think people it, it's like um it's like the red letter media reviews of the prequels. There's people who who've heard about the behind the scenes details of the production of Alien 3 and they think surely with stories like that out there and this pervasive internet narrative about why it's so terrible, it can't possibly be a good film. And I think those people let that color their viewing experience far too heavily. You know too much about the production, Zach, and it's 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 inflicting your perspective. That's my take. I, I knew that was a shot at me, by the way, folks. I was hoping he would sit there, make it even more pointed by calling me out, and he did not disagree. Well, I did. I I just did, and I like I I get that sense already, and I think that uh, you know, I mean, it it, it has you you have to be a fan of this series to like like you have to open up to it a little bit but i think we'll, i think we'll have an interesting discussion today and i'm i'm very excited that most of you sound like you've watched it recently and most of you have watched the far superior theatrical cut my fun fact counter- folks there is no superior cut to this film because it's not a movie oh my my counterpoint to all those people you mentioned, Chris, about hearing the uh, the behind the scenes problems that this movie had, and they think they don't want to watch it, or they they think they know what it's going to be like, even if they don't watch it. Uh, my counterpoint is Wooden Planet. How do you not? How do you hear <laughs> Wooden Planet in the de- in the development no of this movie, this and is. then don't go like, okay, I'm I want to check this out. <laughs> I, I have no clue what this is even referencing. Okay, Zenger, though, think about this: Wooden Planet. Hold on, hold on. I'll rephrase. What if there was a planet made out of wood? <laughs> okay. Is it a super weapon for the Empire? It's it's a prison. <laughs> it wasn't the Empire. It, it, it wasn't a prison. It was, oh, it a, was a church. That's right. Yeah. Monastery. For folks. the Empire. Monastery. For the Empire. <laughs> so it's always for the Empire. Oh, my God. All right. I think, like, okay. Well, I know. I, I think we should go around the room just like I, you did at the start, Zach, with a more serious question. Uh, wooden planet thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> okay, before we get to that, let's. Exp- okay, you ready? Okay, Rob. Chris and I have clearly like kind of drawn sides on this, whether like at the far ends of the spectrum. What is your opinion on this film? Use three sentences, four if you have to. Uh, I'm gonna lo- I'm gonna use a lot more. I'm gonna go over my quota for sentences very early on in this episode. My my first question uh, is. Uh, another shout out to Cinemodities. Chris, have you heard the uh, little bonus episode where I talk about my David Fincher film rankings on Cinemodities? I have. Okay, okay. So then Chris has some knowledge of where I ended up putting Alien times Alien times Alien in my rankings of the movies. Um, I put it at number eight out of 11. <laughs> <laughs> okay, hold on, everybody. This is eight out of 11 of like an extremely notable american film director like this is this is no regular 11 films here this is uh, uh, yes yes i mean so i i guess i will say uh, i do have some hot uh fincher takes that everybody can hear but this movie is two spots above seven because i think seven is a terrible movie we could probably do a whole nother episode on that um but i'm kind of in the middle on alien objection (laughs) (laughs) oh my god okay the eye line is wrong in seven zenger it's a bad it's a fundamentally badly composed movie for most of the times morgan freeman is talking to gwyneth paltrow he's looking above her and it makes no sense (laughs) but god he can do what he wants (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm I'm pretty neutral on Alien times Alien times Alien. I don't love it. Thank I don't you. hate it. I only had seen it the once ever when I watched it for my Fincher rankings, and I watched it again um, for the uh, pre in preparation for this recording. And I did a bunch of the research. And then Zach's, Zach's even sent me a, a video that I had not found in my research that I have to say was made by a, a complete loser, I would say. Um, that was a terrible video you sent me, Zach. We can talk about that more if we want to. But I, I think I liked Alien Cubed a little bit better this time around. I kind of appreciated a little bit more uh, for how depressing it is. But I'm, I'm, I would say I'm kind of neutral, leaning towards it's not bad type of thing. Wait, wait, do I do, do I get the three sentences now? Sure, Singer. Okay. You get you get five sentences. Sweet. All right. Um Aliens is a great movie. Aliens is Where's a better <laughs> is a better action movie. And I think the premise works better as an action movie with a ton of aliens running around instead of one alien. Also, um Aliens is directed by James Cameron, who went on to do other stuff with Sigourney Weaver that exist that's my th three sentences about <laughs> alien three fair fair all right mr mr yaza what is your thoughts on this film and the franchise as a whole the franchise as a whole was was absolutely amazing the first alien movie and we were talking about this before where it was the first one was done was more of a horror movie the other one was done as an action movie it works perfectly and it works perfectly, but this one here was just lost in the menagerie. Because we, you, you sit there and you look at it, it's three times the aliens and you know three times the suspense, three times the horror. There was no three aliens in it. There was just one and the queen. <laughs> and at, I saw the one that came out of the ox, by the way, um, the other I'm day. Confused. I'm so confused. The ox. <laughs> Zanger, there's more than one version of this movie. What are you confused about? <laughs> I'm confused I have, I have, I have like, one question. Mm. What shape was the planet if it was made out of wood? That's that's <laughs> that's what I want to. That's what I would like to know. That's the one question I would well, have. Well, that, it's it's a fun it's fun that you've asked that question because the producers were also having trouble with that question. There was literally part of the reason why you don't have a wooden planet in this film is because the producers, some one of the producers, could not understand how that could be physically possible. Because like, where did you get the wood from? How did they import it from another planet? <laughs> okay. If they're growing it on this planet, how come they? The where's the space movie. for the trees? <laughs> that should be. Okay, hold on a second. I, I need to clarify something. So, is it the forest moon of Endor? They would have had to harvest the entire forest moon of Endor to build a something so, roughly the size of the second Death Star made out of entirely wood. So Zinger, wait, the entire planet is made of wood. It's not just a ton of trees everywhere. So no, we're that, not basing this on Kashyyyk. Okay, it's entirely made out of wood, but this, this is, is the dumbest it, thing I've ever heard. Oh okay, yeah, oh absolutely, they didn't do it. But but <laughs> other than that, the, that version of the story is remarkably unchanged, even though people like to be talk about how wonderful it would have been had we got the monks and the wooden planet, and they don't realize that is the movie they got. Almost exactly. But but the metal and the in the architecture and the like terrible like I want to say Arc Deco, but I know it's not what it is. The the like faux factory deco design is like something that's actually vaguely iconic to the Alien franchise, even though it kind of got introduced in the third movie. There, I said something vaguely positive. Yeah, but what if that was wood, Zanger? That's what we're saying. <laughs> it'd be dumb. It'd be on fire. You could not light a match on that goddamn thing. Exactly. And they think that. 
there, there's this whole subset of fans who think that this movie, like literally that script everyone's talking about with that, it had already gone through so much trouble at that point. And this script, he's like, wow, it's exactly the movie we got. But instead of prisoners, it's monks who are equally terrified of women. And uh, there's also no guns, but it's a planet made out of wood and they're monks instead of prisoners. And suddenly the movie is saved. Give me a break. Like these people are they don't One know what they're termite. talking about. It's, that's the movie they already have. Well, that's the pitch. I'm glad you mentioned Termite, Zanger. The pitch should have been that we we show up on this wooden planet. So I'm, I'm halfway sold. But then the other turn of the story is that it's it's revealed that not a dog, not an ox, the alien pops out of a termite in the third movie and is wreaking havoc on the wooden planet. That would have been golden. This would have been like my number three Fincher movie if that was the case, I think. <laughs> Wait, okay, where does Fight Club break on this? Because I need to ask now so I can know how to handle the rest of this. Someone's not listening to Cinemodies. Yeah, Zanger, I'm very... Fight Club is my number five. And I, I I take the stance that I do not enjoy that movie, but I love that it is such a wonderfully composed satire. Okay, what's number one then? Zodiac, hardcore Zodiac. That movie is phenomenal. <laughs> Objection! That movie is so good it hurts me. <laughs> Does it solve it? Does it solve the crime? No, but that's the point. <laughs> Objection! It's an allegory for coming into the information age. Put in the backdrop of an unsolved crime, it is a wonderful movie, and so everybody should check his, it out. His only way to do that was to reverse somebody's age and then redo it, the Zodiac thing, with the social network. Okay, I got it. I, I understand the filmography of David Fincher now. <laughs> all, all right. So he, I, I think I'm starting to get a picture on why you guys are so misguided about this movie. So like, <laughs> like, we talk the, about a wooden planet one more time. No, no. Okay, real quick, the wooden planet. <laughs> the wooden planet's the dumbest thing that pe these people want to keep talking about. It's like, get over it. The sets are amazing in this movie. It doesn't matter that it used to be a wooden planet in one version of the script. What, what makes this movie so compelling to me is looking at it in the context of a trilogy. That's part of it. And I don't know how many of you are doing that. I know I know uh, there's some uh, mi mixed opinions on aliens in this group, which is very unique. I'm glad that somebody here like also thinks aliens is like slightly overrated. At, what to understate it? <laughs> I love Who? I like, show, um, them to, show them to me. <laughs> yeah, Zenger, you just might want to tape your gavel to your hand. My <laughs> my uh, my take on aliens is that James Cameron sat down and said, How do I make the stupidest movie in the world? Okay, okay. But oh then my God. have a shaman convince everybody that it's entertaining. We can't we can't <laughs> fight about aliens. Like it's it's a it's a religious issue. No one's gonna concede <laughs> one way or another. But 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 I'm I'm contending that if you do now, you have to put yourself back 30 years into the mindset of a culture that actually considered sequels with uh, they with a like you know there was some importance to a movie being a sequel. It wasn't start over and give it the same title as the previous one just had. Like there was never a consideration of this isn't a story continuation of Aliens and and. It and I know there and I know there wasn't a grand design for these three movies as a trilogy. Of course, there wasn't. They they went took it one at a time. They all have different directors. But gosh, if you but if like you but if I know I, I know sequel series. <gasps> I know, but but sometimes when you roll the dice, you, you like it works out for you, and sometimes it doesn't. And and just because a dice was cast, I don't think necessarily makes it a disaster. It's just the results that you get. And if you look at them 
as a as a, a continuous story and I'm just talking about the first three, there's a lot of interesting stuff there. And you you like it it sort of expands and contracts and it ends up dealing with a character that has really lost everything. And you know, I don't th- I don't think the first movie or the second movie really deals with deals with concepts like like confronting one's own mortality quite in the way that alien three does there's a lot there's a lot going on here that i really don't think it gets credit for you have ripley at times she tries to commit suicide she can't do it she loses these people she fought so hard to protect and like they and whatever you if you do or don't like aliens there's a great piece in there especially with an extended edition that's actually worth watching where you find out she lost her kid because she was stuck in cryosleep so long her kid actually died of old age and then she meets this new little kid they sort of connect there's all this work to save that kid's life and then at the start of alien 3 she's a casualty of a electrical fire no she drowned in the cryotube Semantics. She got <laughs> okay, but she the died the, the most peaceful death anyone right. in this movie died from. Right, and right, and and there in her funeral and Hicks's funeral, all of the weight. Be, first of all, that is, and that is, in my opinion, the funeral for Hicks and Newt is the best scene in the entire series. Wait, because of the fact that it's the funeral, or because it's being shown with you know, life giveth. Life cometh and life taketh away. Well, this is this is where this is where you get into a big problem with the two versions of the movie. The the extended line cut, whatever you want to call it, nonsense that they threw together so they could sell more DVDs, it really kills that scene of the alien coming out. The way it's the way it's cut in the theatrical version where it's ripping out of this dog as the as the two bodies are getting cast into the furnace and Charles Dutton's delivering this super powerful eulogy about like why why did why did the innocent die and this dog's just getting ripped apart and the music's so atmospheric and amazing and and it, it, these characters and and when you view it in the context of a trilogy and these characters that you kind of cared about just got ripped away from you and you really embody where Ripley's character is supposed to be at this point in time if you're looking at it as three movies it's crazy like it's it, it's powerful and like you don't get that if you view it as an as a movie like in and of itself these are just characters you never knew anyways and it loses a lot of its weight i totally get that but but i think the way that scene is cut with the the music and the the way the 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 dog just getting ripped apart and then you see this ridiculous like crinkly alien they refer to as the bambi burster in the in the community (laughs) it's just like that combined with charles dutton's performance i think that's just some of the best stuff in this whole series by far and i i think maybe you guys are on the same page with me that the alien series probably never got better than it like it like whatever you think about alien 3 i i'm i'm i kind of feel like as much as i enjoy parts of it it was all downhill from there I will. I will say resurrection uh, with everything (laughs) after this. I will. I will say that I definitely, like I mentioned in my little synopsis of what I thought, I I picked up a lot more on watching this for the second time about like how 
just the whole movie of Alien Cubed is just depressing. Like the the tone is just everything is very depressing and all this sadness. And I I definitely appreciate that because the first one, a, a movie that I absolutely love, the original Alien, is just straight up you know survival horror basically. And I thoroughly enjoy that movie for a whole slew of reasons. Um, the third one definitely I like the idea of you know things have been lost. We're in this very very strange place. The mood is just constant just barreling down depression on all of these characters and what they have to deal with. And I appreciate that. It has, it has a lot of feeling to it. Um, and I, I, based on my thoughts on aliens, I do think that the masterstroke of this movie is not have a child actor in it. Um, but regardless of that, the funeral scene, I do agree with you is a wonderful scene. Um, you know, it is a little kind of, you know, it maybe hits a little hard where it's like, oh, we have a funeral during this birthing scene, you know, at the intercut with each other. But it works for what it's trying to go for. I mean, at least what I what I think it's trying to go for. I'm sure as we get more into the production and the background of this movie, um, that can be <laughs> debated. <laughs> but masterstroke of this movie, little girl from Aliens is just dead immediately. And I'm like, thank you. I'm like pumping my fists at the start and, of this and, movie. And, you know, and in no small part, that is probably because six years had passed since aliens mm. and it's a production reality that that you you either recast or you do something like this and this is what i'm saying when you know they a lot of the a lot of the determine the determining factors for the story here maybe they're not well motivated but i do and enjoy the result in the context of the series the ox alien doesn't make Je any sense <laughs> well, well, because no, just just for the reason that 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 cut of the movie kills that funeral scene for me, just the way they cut it, it's just all of the energy is gone. I don't care what any of the other changes are. They're not significant enough to compensate for like that loss. So but, watch the theatrical cut. But the aliens are known to take on attributes of the host. So why later in the movie when this thing's more grown up, it's four-legged and looks more like a dog? Why the crap would it be an ox? That well, Zinger, clearly one of the genius producers who took control away from Fincher. I think you're using the word it, producer very dog. loosely. Yeah. Well, you know, they at least it's it, it is a dog at the end of the day. Well, it made more sense when it was an ox. How? Because that's what they used to pull the the escape pod out of the water. They put an ox in there? No, they there, they dude. used oxes to to move it oh, onto the beach. Oh, okay. That's why I thought it was it. I thought watching, I was like, okay, I could I could totally see it. When you're saying a dog, I'm like, I'm watching this cut. I haven't seen the movie, and I, I'm going to be very honest with you. I probably haven't seen the movie before yesterday for at least maybe ten years. That's not long enough. So. <laughs> I watched this one and it had an ox, and I was like, okay, I could see, totally see where the facehugger went on to an ox. Well, I, I, like, you know, I, it's, it's going to be too much for most of you to do, but if you compare the funeral scene and the two cuts, it's like, how did they mess that up? But I mean, they didn't care because they were doing this for a DVD reissue, but like, it's just, it's just destroyed. Like the best scene in the movie is just hacked up to, to nonsense. So that's my biggest problem with this so-called uh, what's what is the name they give it? Extended cut or line oh, cut or something? Assembly cut. I'm Assembly, yeah. cut. Assembly cut. Whatever. Also, it's just, it, yeah. The novelized version has an ox. 
and it makes well, more sense. Well, that's it. That's it. That's it. We have the final word. Listen, you know all confirmed. Chris. All right, Chris, you're wrong. All right, that concludes the April first, twenty twenty one episode. You know, I, I, I have. Rolling. You know, Alan, Alan, D, Alan Dean Foster, who did that novelization, also had a horrible experience on uh, dealing with Fox writing that novelization, and I guarantee you that um, he oh, had no choice. Whether it was not, attacked you know. by executives. Oh yeah, it was. Ex- <laughs> it was. I. It was virtually identical. Like he hated the experience as much as Fincher. He talks about it with horror to this day. Okay. So okay, I'm okay. So we have so Zenger. Okay, Zenger's favorite movie is obviously Aliens. Rob's favorite movie is what? Alien. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Joe, what's your favorite Alien movie of the series? I'd have to say it was Alien. The first one. Okay. Yeah. Oh, it's it's sad that everyone has to be wrong on here. And Chris, Zinger, with- it's okay. You've been put under the spell by James Cameron's shaman. I bet you like Terminator <laughs> 2 as well. <laughs> I do. Yep, yep. Zenger's drinking the shaman's drink just right out of James Cameron's hands. <laughs> it's funny you say that, Rob, because on the Avatar ride, there is like a Navi shaman. So I like to imagine Zenger's like Zenger's is drinking the water at the Disney ride. He's just sitting has his head in it and just being like like every time he dunks his head in, like Terminator Two is the best series. Duncan, Edward Furlong <laughs> is incredible. Duncan, oh god! And Chris, you're saying Alien Cubed is the best of the franchise, right? Or are you saying it's, it's underrated? I'm saying, uh, like, I would, I like when we're saying best of the franchise, like I'm talking just the first three. If I'm if I'm ranking just the first three, it's Alien. Wait, no, Alien. No, 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 no. Three There's aliens. a fourth movie you gotta accept it, it, it there. It's it's I you can the the great thing about about alien resurrection is that from a story standpoint, you can totally just take or leave it. And like, I leave it. What Chris is trying to say is that alien covenant is the best of the series. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, there's what six are, are we, we counting all... alien versus predator to make it seven, eight, <laughs> eight films. We can all get behind the fact that alien covenant is clearly the worst alien movie by far. I, I vehemently disagree. As Rob and I discussed, as, <clears throat> as we've as been discussed wow. on this podcast with Force Ghost Jim and I back in like 2017, I consider that probably, subjectively speaking, my favorite film of the series. I love me some Michael Fassbender. My God. I'll All do right. the fingering. I'll do the fingering. <laughs> uh, and I guess it should be said, I am a, uh, a stand for Prometheus. I do like that movie. <laughs> Yeah, the same. I I think that has more going for it than Covenant. That's for sure. But, but um, does, but does Covenant involve Michael Fassbender talking to himself for twenty minutes? Uh, Prometheus has a good has a good amount of Fassbender. I wouldn't, and it has some of the best. Like Fassbender has just a severed head. Like who doesn't like fair, that? Fair, but, um, I will allow that. Yeah, but 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 you know, if I'm ranking the first three, it's Alien, Alien Three, and Aliens. But I just what? I but don't get don't get angry, Zinger, be, because I I just love all three of them as one piece so much. And what I like about Aliens is more the 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 design consequences like that movie just flavored like a generation of science fiction design and i i like you guys i'm sort of critical of some of the stuff done story-wise like it's a little bit cheap putting the the kid in danger all the time like i kind of get that and but i think it works as a trilogy really well because if you structure it if you look at it through that lens it's appropriate where it's placed in the three Okay, this is my thing. Like, my philosophy is it's not fair to judge Alien versus Aliens because they're two very different genres. 
Alien is a horror film. It's a haunted house film in space. That boo. is what it is. What? I said boo. What? <laughs> That's not. It wasn't a knock. It's it, it's it's an observation. No, I meant boo is in like haunted house. Oh, boo. Like oh, I thought you were saying boo earns. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I was, I was saying Boo Earns. I was saying like, Boo Earns. <laughs> Aliens is an action film, yeah. plain and simple, with some like horror undertones. It's like, yeah. like as I said, I think it's, I think it's a little, little too long. I know there's an extended cut of that where like, oh I, like Chris yes, referenced. Yes, and I'm just like, oh god, make it end, make hey, it end. Hey. They, hey, you know, I I would most of the time agree with you, but they you get a little more get a little more uh, derelict ship, which is like, which is the whole like just the just the derelict ship in general is a big part of why I would put the first film as number one because it's just like when has anything like that ever been done on on such a scale i mean obviously ridley scott like kind of messed it up or a little made it weird or like explained too much perhaps down the line but like for a long time like that was just some of the coolest stuff yes. ever yes i agree <laughs> yeah. um um alien cube is not a movie it should not be judged as such alien resurrection is like odd and weird and just insane um it's not again it's 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 a movie, but it, it's I don't even know how to sit there and comprehend that movie half the time. Um, Prometheus is goofy as hell, but it has the best scene in the movie is what's her name? Um, oh god, what's her name? Not Sigourney Weaver. That's what happened with this series too. We started devolving into just not Sigourney Weavers, not Sigourney Weaver. Prometheus edition, getting the thing like removed from her stomach, and then like it explodes over her like open wound. That is fantastic. That is great cinema. And then we have Alien Covenant, where basically it's like a Friday the 13th movie, but starring Michael Fassbender as Jason. And I like that. Like, like that is just it, – it's it's Ridley Scott being insane. Like, the joke is that, like, people bring up all this stuff about, like, Alien Covenant in, like, regards to, like, the Alien series. It's like, well, like, if you remember the space jockey from Aliens, like a, fo- like a fossilized, like – thing from like thousands of years ago it can't take place like like alien covenant basically says like oh this all happened like 50 years before the events of alien and really scott's just like what the hell are you talking about because alien because um, he doesn't understand really scott's too consumed with explaining that deckard is a replicant <laughs> sir uh you know uh, and well i mean this is like so offside but like obviously prometheus was meant to be a direct prequel to Alien, and the ship shown in Prometheus was meant to be the ship yes. from a- Alien. Um, and you know, it kind of works better, and it kind of still works that way. Like, but um, and but then you have this whole this whole Jesus factor that Prometheus tries to put in there, where like Jesus was an engineer, and like the reason they were gonna bomb mankind was because we killed Jesus, and it's not subtle. Like I didn't, it like I thought I might have felt like it was subtle at the time, but I watched it last year, and I'm like, oh my god, Jesus was actually an engineer in this movie. <laughs> it's well, really heavy-handed when you really think about it. Well, that's a, okay. Once again, talking about letting like the pop culture zeitgeist around these films like bleed into like the viewing experience. Like you watch Prometheus. Like I remember the marketing for that film. Like even before like they start filming because everyone's like oh man like ridley scott's doing a science fiction film like it's gonna be like related to alien and he was like on the record saying like oh it'll have strains of alien dna everyone's just like what and then he's like i remember him being like interviewed at comic-con he's like well it's 
kind of connected to Alien. And then, like, even in the trailers, like, I remember seeing that trailer. That was one of the very few times, like, in recent memory, the trailer debuted in theaters before online. I remember sitting in Girl to Dragon Tattoo, weird connection to all this, and seeing that trailer because it hadn't been released online. And it's like, it's playing like the horn sound, woo, like that wooing, like horn sound. And then, like, it's like, oh, like, it's <laughs> definitely, it. yeah. And it's like, it's uh, definitely an alien. Thank you, Zanger. Let's all do it. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, this is what podcasting is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Joe, are you excited now to start your own podcast? Are you excited, I'm excited. now? Yeah, I'm going to start it <laughs> right now. Right Joe now. Yeah. Just talk about Joe movies be- with horns in them. <laughs> Welcome to the Joe Show. My first guest is an air oh. horn. Well, you must look at it in the context of 2011 when all trailers had alarm noises. And yes, no it was inception. It, it was the inception wake. You're right. You're, you got me there. But like, no, it's the whole idea. Like all the iconography they showed Even the trailer was cut like the alien trailer from like years earlier. And so like you have all of that. And like th- they didn't know what they were doing. Like like Fox never like Fox was always a money hungry studio. Like they kind of never cared. And it just like, it got worse over time. And then it, like so like I don't know like, like going back to like the Alien Cube thing. Like yes, am I being hard on Alien Cubed? Sure. But at the same time, though, is that like when you have a director who literally just walked off the film during editing and has done nothing to like, like even in interviews to this day, he's like, I don't want to talk about that. It's like nothing good came of that experience. Okay, okay, but you, but like you have to sort of consider what, why did they, why did they hire him? Because the, level, wood, because the wood plant, him. because the wood plant man guy, like just like they're like this is like after like giving him like tens of millions of dollars to build sets, someone had, like came to their senses, like the coke high wore off, and they're like, what the hell are we doing? Right. They're like, and, what? Okay, but 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 structurally, it's still very much that same story, though. Like it just okay. it is. Let me, let me put it this way: like you, you you had two home runs, you had Alien, Aliens. And you're like, okay, how do we follow this up? And so, like, the Let's idea of doing something ex- – exactly, exactly. Let's do something really weird and offbeat. I am 100% on board with that. That is my middle name on the other podcast. That That's what it is, word. by the way. Really weird and offbeat. It, it, it is. I'm not going to take that away from it. The thing that bothers me is, like, as I was watching this thing, I, every time I watch this movie, I try to like it more. And every single time, I'm like, there's some sort of, like, there's, there's some corn in the crap. And that's kind of what I feel like. Like, there's more, like Charles Dutton, fantastic. That's kind of where it begins and ends. Like, the ending oh is God. really, re- the, the ending is really, really good. But, like, you have a bunch of British bald men that all look the freaking same. Oh, my. I can't tell on, anybody from each other. Listen, I have Sigourney you know, Weaver who's sleepwalking through this movie. Oh, she's just like, not all very she woke do, of you, Zach. <laughs> I know, because she's just trying to cash that check as much as she can. Be like, please let them make me shave my head again. Please let them make me shave my head again so I can get, like, like a $50,000 bonus. And she's just like, like, nothing about this is interesting. Like, the alien is boring. Like everything oh about this God. morning is a slog. Like, yes, Jimmy C is being emotionally manipulative, which is his hallmark. But at least I care about Sigourney Weaver. At this point, Sigourney Weaver is just like, like make a reference to a Cinematis like discussion that's coming up. She basically has the gun in her mouth and is just hyperventilating the entire movie. That's what well, she's doing. She's not even personable in this movie, which she is in the first two. There's nothing I, relatable about her character in this. Yeah, that's because that's she's because broken. That, 
that, that's because the first two happened. It's a phenomenon we don't really get in movies anymore. You know, it's like there's actually there's there's some loose continuity between these films and you know and i mean how can you say these guys are all the same like you got you got brian glover who's like everything he says is sounds hilarious this is the guy uh he's the run in the prison i, I when i first saw this i was like that's the that's that's wait, the what, belligerent what he always says that's the belligerent pub guy from american werewolf in london like, <laughs> yeah. but uh what is, the, what, what is his line in the movie like he always says the back channel or the oh, whatever the rumor, <laughs> this is rumor control yeah rumor like, control just, i, love I that. swear to god oh, i thought that my amazing. i thought that my freaking like tv switched over to fox news and i wasn't paying attention yeah he's amazing <laughs> uh, charles charles dance and charles dutton are amazing this movie has all the best charles and like <laughs> and, but which and, one's in charge <laughs> oh, oh and then oh. and then Oh, okay. So, but like all these guys are, all the prisoners are great. They're all, they're all such like the, the dripping definition of character actors and you, and, and, and Ripley's coming to terms with the end of her life. She doesn't have anything to live for anymore. Her surrogate daughter is dead. She's accepting the fact that the only thing she has, the only value she has left in her entire life is to, to stop this corporation from getting a hold of this thing. And, and she, for but that's not ex- okay but that is not like you look at alien aliens those are there are reasons why those films are cultural like touchstones because like those films are both exhilarating that's because babies and, can't relate to mortality and death and accepting their own mortality and and it's not fun popcorn movie action but that's what think but about that's, your own death while I know, you're watching a film I, and that's fine but like that does not like that does not make entertaining blockbuster cinema it like makes not a, saying it makes a nice chapter three in my opinion and you know it, but it, it's it, a miserable can... movie though with a bunch of yes they're all good character actors but they all look the same give them some oh, visually identifiable just element because, that distinguishes just, them just because they're yeah. all bald doesn't mean they look the same Zach. They <laughs> have, okay they clearly have different I, barcodes on the back of their head i mean how are you more distinguishable do you i like want how them to be? i like how when chris references the actor, he actually had to describe their role because there's no other way to identify them on the screen. Like if you talk about like, oh, when you say, I don't know. What do you want uh, me to say? Mustache? Like there's no mustache. <laughs> in this there should have been at least a mustache then. Thank you for proving my point. Like think about you have like if you watch Aliens. Oh my God. Okay, look at this way though. In Aliens, as much as we like Rob likes the crap on it, every single character is easily recognizable. You got Hicks, Hudson, Vasquez. You have all of them. Like here's so like the moment you well, say the okay. name, you know exactly there's, what comes to mind. Oh, there's a difference. Those guys are all calling out each other's names constantly because but of they're the visually but but they're visually identifiable though. Like you automatically know what you're talking about. Well, partially because you can literally say what gun do they have. But there's no there's no you know, I like I love that they strip the guns out of this movie. Just it makes it's just an interesting problem and dynamic. But I just you know, the like it, there's 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 so much going on like like Charles Dance's character how he like how he like when she when he finally sort of opens up to her about why he ended up there and how he was like what what was it that he uh he was like he was like do it secretly stealing morphine or something and he like accidentally like killed a bunch of people like when yeah. I, when in the emergency room or something amazing good that's stuff that's a great that's like, a great moment that's a great yeah exactly thank you that's a great moment that happens literally halfway through the film 
And the moment we have that revelation, he dies like horribly. And like, don't get me wrong. Because a a dinosaur. I mean, because. (laughs) Sorry, I'm looking up something else. I think they call it a dragon a few times in this movie. Uh, But um, because the alien doesn't care if you had a huge character moment. Well, the point point is, she's getting aliens always win in these movies. Why don't you people get that? Except for aliens, they don't win. Because they're gonna nuke the planet from space. God dang yes! All right, but 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 that's because Ripley's getting a taste that she might. Maybe there's something. There's still something to live for. But that's the thing. That should have been introduced. That should have been introduced earlier in the film, which makes that more dramatic. When you get the rugged, you get you get to know the character and you care about him. He was sticking her neck out for her earlier with the autopsy and stuff. They were establishing the relationship more. I know, but that's but that's you have that moment before they get it on. And then you have him die after they get it on. It makes it a little bit like, okay. It gives the character development, so it makes it all impactful. It's like, okay, here's the character development, oh. and it's gone. And it's like, and we, great. And I, and I don't know, you know, maybe he died a little early. Whatever. I think that, you know. I don't think, I don't think he died a little early. I think the character development came too late. Well, you knew he had a, you knew he had some sort of dark secret, but you knew he wasn't exactly an inmate. They sort of, they were teasing it a little bit, but, but, you know, I like, maybe that was mismanaged. I love, I love his story when he finally shows it, shows it to her. There's no mo there's no, there's no character backstory like that in all of, in all of alien or aliens. That's half as interesting. Like there's just not. And 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 when and when you and take that uh, further to uh, this the scene with Bishop, like oh my god, like how have we not talked about this? Like this is amazing. Like this is that's this a, is, Bishop Lance Henriksen is the best part of this entire movie. That there's a beautiful scene, the puppet with the exposed eye and the goo just coming out and the synced up performance and it, it and the way he's sort of relaying the facts to her, like you actually you actually feel like this is the same person you saw in a sequel that was directed by a different person. Imagine that it's totally alien concept in the current year, and and it's 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 touching, but at the same time. He's not a real person. They don't dwell on it too much when she unplugs him. But, but that's, it, I, I, like I said, there are there is some corn in the crap. Like Lance Henriksen is great. Like even like at that scene is great. I love that moment, and I believe I agree with you. It goes on just as long as it should, and even the ending, like that's great. Like I love everything. Basically, I'd say about the last fifteen minutes of this movie are great. And then, like, if only the like, that's what makes me wonder about this: how much of this was manipulated or poorly edited? This goes back to my thesis as to why this isn't a movie. This feels like a movie that was butchered and edited numerous times because the director wasn't allowed to execute your their vision. Like, okay, I, I think- but Fincher was at the time. Fincher is a twenty-eight-year-old music video director. Like, how much of it is how much needed to be taken away from him, and how much would have actually been better if he had had control? But we're this, never going to know. Okay, but this this goes down to the thing I've been literally yelling about on this. Po- this has become like the low key thesis of this podcast now, like ever since like they fired everybody at Lucasfilm. Is that like you don't hire someone, then undermine them every single chance you get. You either like you like, and that's the thing. I get that's like kind of like the nature of the beast of Hollywood. It infuriates me that like 30 years later, this still goes on. 
Well, now like it that, goes on now, but you don't you like, you know, it's just like like then you don't hear about it until it's been decades. They, you, you, not really. Like, I think about uh, Lord and Miller, Trevorrow. Yeah, but you like, hear them speaking super candidly about their experiences. I like it. I'd like the one thing I will give Fox is that they have produced documentaries that say what bags of trash they were throughout this production <laughs> like the, like you don't i don't see disney accepting blame like that oh, well, for anything anytime well, soon. well like well they like that's the weird thing though like, like you wonder now that disney owns fox if any of the fox secrets from the last how many years will come out in the wash inevitably disney secrets will come out as well like as rob knows as i forced him to watch waking sleeping beauty during the whole like jeffrey katzenberg michael eisner period and like all the stuff that came out the dirty laundry there um, like, but like this, like kind of goes back to, like I was saying, the idea with, uh, Fincher and why this isn't a movie is that like Fincher had some level as he was shooting this, how he wanted to edit it. I think it's fair to say that now, like in retrospect, Fincher is a more than competent filmmaker. And that's the thing is that like, without having his vision to kind of, what's the word compose the film from just footage, I don't think you can ever classify it as a movie. I think okay, the, but the visionary the is gone. So you have a probably second-rate editor dictating all this, or Lord heaven forbid, a second-rate editor being instructed by a third-rate studio executive. Here's where I th- here's where I think that's a super misguided opinion on Fincher's involvement because this story was pretty much locked in by the time he came on board. They wanted someone who could bring it a sort of visual flair. And I it's I'd argue that he totally did that. And he wasn't in the position to be dictating the story at that point. Like just because of his experience, the fact that they showed him this story when they signed him on, he was on board with it at the time. And then you have this this anecdotal opinion that he somehow unofficially signed off on on the 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 alternate cut which is he like he didn't he didn't right but th- well, there you go like he didn't he didn't, he never on record did anywhere but you do hear people say he like theoretically one time unrecorded gave a thumbs up to that version of it which is if if that's like it's debatable whether that's true or not but if it's true then then it's not a different enough movie that i have to wonder what could have been if he had full control. I I don't think like my issue again does not stem to like what could have been. Like it's not like one of those like kind of like oh man like if we got Colin Trevorrow's episode nine what could have been. I think it's the idea that just like once you take the filmmaker who did all this because again this is like very similar to like what happened with Hack Snyder's Justice League in that like you have a filmmaker during editing, they're kind of thrown out of the editing suite, very similar also to, uh, oh God, well, what's his name? Rogue One guy that literally just disappeared <laughs> Listen, off the face man, of the earth. There, yeah, but there's a, there, but like the difference of Hack Snyder Justice League and Weed in Justice League is not editing. Like not even by a long shot. No, but, but what I mean though, is that, but also to you, like in the behind the scenes documentary, it's even said they didn't finish shooting the film in London. They, they did, it was like a lot of like, like photography done in LA, like just kind of like, finishing like principal photography so like that's what i mean there's there's a lot of information out there that's somewhat contradictory and that's the thing where like there's just so much kind of the process when it comes to something like this i just don't know if i can ever give it the benefit of the doubt until fincher releases some sort of statement on this which i would imagine at some point in his career he'll sit there like he's rather candid like now like one of my favorite david fincher stories is from um oh god like he'll go to film schools and like give presentations and like like talks and stuff 
and like he'll have like a Q&A session and like he'll pick on like some random like film student and they'll be like, okay, Mr. Fincher, I have a question. He'll be like, he'll be like, shut the hell up and sit down. And like the person will sit down. He'll like just like wave them back up and he'll be like, if you don't, like if, he's like, you can't cut it in this business if you can't sit there, just deal with people like that. Cause like every studio executive you deal with or anybody financier is going to tell you that on a daily basis. And if you can't get over that, you'll never make it. And so, that's what you're so what you're basically saying is that alien three flavored his entire career. And it's the reason yes. why he's any good. How? Well, yeah. Cause he learned to stand up for his ideas. Like as much as I dislike fight club and all the other stuff, like, like I, I do not like Zodiac. I think fight club is a, a literal nightmare. Um, I think about it. Fight, Club might be, Fight Club might be a movie, Chris, but it, it's it's infinitely worse than Alien. Oh my Cube. God! Okay, what? so l- listen, you're t- you're talking about you're talking about oh, there's so much studio meddling. How is this even a movie? This is the same guy who said that Episode Nine is the most unintentionally brilliant Star Wars yes, movie he's ever seen. Yes, it's unintentionally could, brilliant. Could you, brilliant. It backed into brilliant. Yeah, Alien Three is like actually unintentionally brilliant. Like Rise of Skywalker <laughs> is like is like a soup of executive nonsense. Like it's I the same it problem. It's like it's so it's like is this Star Wars clouding your vision, Zach? Or like, what are we talking about here? Because like the same bullshit is at play, but like, but hey, like, hey, two, hey. there's two end results, and one is good. <laughs> okay, okay. One is not a move. Neither, like, at the end of the day, J.J. Abrams did not walk off of episode nine. Um, he took, yeah, he, we know much of. like, much we like, hear it was okay, close, though, right? Like, we hear there's an edit that he, like, the movie that was released, he didn't oversee the final edit of that like he was like he was like actually detached from well, it J- that well that's the thing though jj did, but again jj is a brett ratner he doesn't like he's not an auteur fincher is not a tour fincher had the nerve to walk off well but as much it, as i laugh about colin madman trevorrow he had the nerve to tell them no and walk away which is clearly why alien 3 is a definitely a better movie than rise okay. of skywalker it's, <laughs> it's not a movie though it's okay. not a movie, though. That's well, the problem. Well, if it, you know, I like how you describe some movies as product, and I mean, like, there's no more episode. Not every nine. every yes, Star right. Wars thing made, I would say, since A New Hope is product. Oh, even Empire. Empire is brilliant, but it is a product. <clears throat> okay. Okay. All right. So we've established that yes. Alien Three is better than all Star Wars movies except A New Hope. I okay, I, I need to <laughs> I need to say a few things because a lot has happened. And I need to <laughs> rewind real quick. I was gonna defend Zach, and then he made some very outlandish claims. <laughs> I actually will agree with Zach that I was looking at one of the actors, and I'm like, oh yeah, he's the guy that's like the priest in every movie, Peter, whatever. I'm not gonna try to pronounce his last name, Maurice Peter, whatever, Fisher. huh? Maurice Fisher singer, Maurice Fisher. <laughs> no, because there's Peter Guinness and then there's Pete. Postal whatever. White. <laughs> yeah. And I got those. Singers like oh. Pete Postal Noodle. Postal Wait. Just call him the magic. He's the magic man from James and the Giant Peach. Just call him no, magic he's, man. He's freaking the priest in every goddamn movie except for <clears throat> Jurassic Park Lost World where he's the hunting guy. I, I got like, like three other movies where he's not a priest. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're thinking of bad movies. Anyways. I was Are you calling Ben Affleck's The Town a bad movie? <laughs> I was looking him up and looked up Peter Guinness instead because they all look the goddamn same. Thank you. No, nobody looks like Pete Postle 
Okay, look at Peter Guinness and just play into them real quick. But you guys also, are not pot. woke. This is not okay. You're calling all these people that they look the same. All right. They're Peter Rob, Guinness, they're white. Two... Rob, they're all white. It's okay. Hold on. Peter Guinness is actually in the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League. Yeah, I saw uh, that. Yeah. Of course he is. He's sad. He's sad. <laughs> By the way, I was looking up some of these wonderful prisoner actors while, while I was searching this. And Brian Glover, the guy, Andrews, who runs the prison, he's currently 63 years old, which means that he was like our age in that movie. So, like, that's rough, man. Fine, <laughs> so our age. <laughs> like, rough. Yeah, well, not accurate. But I mean, like, I wouldn't have believed that guy was in his early 30s when, if someone told me while I was watching the movie. It was it was the nineties. time people age differently. All right, let's let's take a step back. Let's because considering that Joe's new here, maybe he can be the audience's avatar. Joe, what is your opinion on all these arguments that have been fired back and forth for the last half an hour? Okay. Well, what I would have to say is I'm going to have to agree that this, if it was going to be a trilogy, this does almost end the trilogy because if you remember that uh, when they had the return of the alien, what was it? Resurrection that this was supposed to be Sigourney Weaver's rap last go around as Ripley. If I remember yes. I was around back in 92. So, um, what was it? Uh, so she, she shaved her head. She wanted to be the last, this is the last time she was going to be Ripley. That's why she wanted, one of the things was she, she wanted no guns when she signed up for it. She was the one that had the no gun, the no gun rule in it. And she got a producer credit for that, I think. That's what I read. Yeah. And uh, so it, it does balance out as a trilogy if you put it in that mindset. The only thing is they got, they started making more movies. So it kind of dulled that this movie when you sit there and you look at it from now from the aspect of now it's it's not a trilogy anymore so it doesn't really work uh well, well I'll, i'm gonna let you can i'm gonna let you finish but 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 uh Chris, but Chris is like, the um, actually video. well no but, I mean, but, like, but, but literally though literally though the character of alan ripley who we first see an alien and aliens dies in this movie and never comes back so this was supposed to be her swan song. This is what she wanted. This is what she wanted to to close out that character. She was never going to do Ripley again. She wanted to be Zool from Ghostbusters again. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it was one of those. But as as far as it goes, you know, it it did seem disjointed. Where you had a good beginning, the middle was kind of hazy after after they. You know, they, they cremated the Hicks and, and Newt, but everything else before that, it was just to get to the scene where she jumped off. She jumped off into the, into the foundry. That was, that was the money shot for them. That's what they wanted the movie to be about. That was the most memorable thing I could see in the movie besides a funeral scene was when she jumped. Oh, and that one part where the alien gets right up in her face. Yeah, yeah, you know, the most iconic image of the entire series. Never mind that. That's fair. But um, That's fair. I will give you that. That has become the most iconic like image in the franchise. That's fair. I will allow that. But that's when she truly realized that she was carrying an alien. 
okay, so we just listed four or five iconic scenes. Like, you know, like just way more than like any movie in the last 15 years has had. That's fine. Um, I can name 10% of a movie that is entirely in slow motion, which all those ice scenes are, are iconic. Watchmen. No, it's Justice League. Ten percent of that movie's in slow mo, by the way. Only ten? Way more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. Well, ten percent. You, you of didn't that... see the. You didn't see the Snyder cut, though. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> it, wait, That's why it's four hours long. Movie? It's a two-hour movie. Slowed down half speed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rob. Where do you fall on this? Um, well, first off, I think we've lost the thread in this conversation. We haven't really answered the question, what if the planet was made of wood? No, no <laughs> I, I uh, definitely am on Chris's side with a lot of the stuff that he's saying about this. I love the the weirdness to this this kind of third entry type of thing. And even though I, I think, you know, the, the concept of aliens is what if we sent in a group of Marines who were so dumb they couldn't function? Um, it yeah. does set up a lot of stuff for this third movie. Like, I know, Chris, you mentioned the, um, the uh, scene in Aliens where, you know, Sigourney Weaver's in cryostasis for so long, she finds out that her actual daughter is dead, and then she has Newt as this kind of surrogate daughter type of thing. And I think that's all good for this trilogy idea that we've been getting at. I, I think the third one is is very, very good in kind of what you were saying, Chris, that it is, you know, she is just done. She's broken. Like, the the final thing of her story arc has to be, well, that's it. Like, I have to die to get out of this story, to end this alien. I can't let the company get it, that type of stuff. Um, I'm trying to trace back through all the tangents that went on. But There's a lot I, of them. Uh, Definitely. Um, I, I am definitely... Um, I guess back to the Charles Dance thing. I am totally fine with Charles Dance's character and the the way that the movie, the theatrical, plays out. You know, him and Ripley's relationship, the role and how they get there. I honestly, I'm watching this for the second time. I love the fact that you know, um, Charles Dance and Ripley have sex, and then Charles Dance, you know, reveals this emotional side of his life to him, and Ripley is kind of you know seeing things. Uh, having another emotional connection, which we know that she's not allowed to have because everybody in her life dies constantly on screen or off. And then the alien just eats him up. And it's it's I think I like that idea that this movie is just, you know, um, the, the alien doesn't care who has character moments. But also that's that's kind of the point that everything is just incredibly depressing. And depression doesn't care when you have character moments. It can come back just as quickly. I on the whole Fincher wait, thing. Hold on, I, wait, hold on. Are you saying that the aliens are a metaphor for depression? I think I think the uh, the wooden planet is a metaphor for depression. <laughs> <laughs> but in in terms of the David Fincher thing, I this is something Zach and I talk all about on Cinemodities. Go check that out. Um, well, we talk about it in the episode Zach is on. But I I definitely am, am you know the one who's always a little uh, dubious when Zach you state something like you know about the filmmaker's intent or or putting a lot of care on the filmmaker's intent. I I can't say that this is not a movie. Um, I definitely think this is a movie, um, uh, whatever really that means. But I, I, I think of, you know, the whole David Fincher thing is something that was said earlier is that, you know, this is that point where David Fincher has such an experience. He knows how he wants the rest of his creative decisions to go. You know, and, and we've talked about this before with other things, you know, whether it be. Um, David Lynch, where he's like, okay, I never want to, like, Dune ruined David Lynch. He's like, I'm going to do whatever the hell I want to do for the rest of my life. 
And the opposite of that is the Martin Brest, where he has a success. He has the opposite of Dune, and he just gets ruined by the studio system and can't make a movie that's coherent for the rest of his life. I put a lot of respect into this movie for being that kind of starting point for David Fincher is that, you know, you might need some crazy difficult experience to shape what your creative path is going to look like. I think James Cameron even, I don't know all the stories, but with um, Piranha 2, The Spawning, I think that he gets cut out to some extent for making that movie in post-production or having his thoughts input in post-production. And he goes, wow. How could they treat me like I'm not the living God? I need to have control over everything in the rest of my life. And and I, I have respect for this movie in that sense as well. I'm trying to think of what other things were mentioned that I didn't hit on. Um, oh, I think one is the bishop scene that I want to talk about, but I don't know if we want to get into that yet. But Chris, I do have to say, I'm liking what you're putting forward here so far uh, in, in this argument you're, you're composing. Well, in my opinion, I've already won, then. That's fine. <laughs> I mean, and also, uh, so we have to talk about the bishop scene, and also we do have to get to back, what if that planet was made of wood? That's a very important question. <laughs> but but my whole thing, though... that's led me to this point in my life. <laughs> <laughs> same, Zanger, same. Um, no, like I said, I, I respect David Fincher. I respect... I, I respect the director's ability to have freedom. I understand everything's full compromise, but again, he did not have a full, like we should also talk about too, like when they went to production, like when he was like hired, they did not have a script, like like a finished script. Like it was on the fly. And I think it's nothing short of a miracle. We do have those gems of a moment in this. And like I said, there's a reason why that shot of Sigourney Weaver, who we've been saying her name wrong the entire time. It's Sigourney. And and you have the part with the alien kind of like brushing against her cheek. Like I have nothing against the visuals other than the fact that like it's just an ugly looking film, and all the actors look the same, including Sigourney Weaver. Lance Henriksen like is the best Dirk part of the film. Deco. I do not like Dirk Deco. I do not. It sounds like a character from like the Fight Club sequel. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, like, I guess I should put it on the record. I definitely did not have the issue that thinking all the characters look the same. I had no problem distinguishing faces in this movie. So That's I, the one because, I think I'm know, the most only, surprised by. <laughs> they're only the best character actors of the day, like by far. And like you guys, you recognize from all kinds of other movies that you love. But never mind that. If it weren't for the fact that one of them was Maurice Fisher, I honestly would have no idea that like it'd just be like, okay, it's the same British man, just completely just like like re like composited into every single shot. They just done that. I would have been more on board with that having like like the same actor just like with a different like wigged hat. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say something like do the deep Roy thing from Tim Burton's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Just have Pete Postle play, play every single prisoner. That I'd be on board for that. I wouldn't say no. Uh, I will point this out, though. It did not have all the best character actors of the time. Uh, Margot Ma- Margo Martindale was not in the movie, so. Okay, yeah, that's a fair point. That's but, true. Um, I mean, but, uh, we cannot debate but, you know, that. But I mean, and, and, and oh, like, and we didn't, like, I don't know, like, uh, you were saying you don't know if you want to get to the Bishop stuff yet. I don't, I didn't realize we were, st- we had such a precise chronological approach up to that point but um well, well, you know well, I'm, I'm setting that up only because we have someone on this podcast that i have never spoken to before and don't know his opinions on robots which i will need to get before we discuss oh, this god. oh god dang this, it we cannot no, discuss know, i think he knows movie. i think he knows he might he might know joe might know that ron because he listened to the last episode oh, wait wait no I got well, joe, joe can know my thoughts on robots i need to know joe's thoughts on robots joe 
Yes. What did Luke Skywalker do to all those robots at the or droids, whatever they are, at the end of Mandalorian season two? What did he I would, do to that? I would frame this question. Sh- a sh- 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 Joe, do mach- does machinery deserve empathy? <laughs> <laughs> he Vadered him like at the at, at the end of Rogue One. But but what does Vadering something mean? What he what is in the context? That that context right there. He did it very aggressively. But what did but he, he do knew- to them? <laughs> he destroyed them. Destroy- God dang it! He turned them off is another acceptable answer. <laughs> <laughs> Can't say killed. Oh, God. I, I, I like mean, the idea of Rob being like the Alex Trebek. We also have accepted turn them off. <laughs> well, I mean, it makes sense why Rob likes this movie because it, in my opinion, it reaffirms his belief about androids. It does. It does. Rob's a monster. So that's the only takeaway from this episode. I want everyone to be. You can take, you can believe whatever you want about aliens to the third power. As long as you acknowledge Rob is a monster, I'm happy. No, I mean, I am not denying that. Like I am those humans that were around when like, you know, in the, what the animatrix part where it describes how the matrix got created. Where there's, <laughs> oh, a certain, boy. there's a certain point where the robots are like, please, like, please just give us representation. Like we'll stop fighting you. And the humans are like, you're stupid robots. And then of course we know how that happens. I, I am the first one to get turned into a battery. I know that for sure. Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> Bishop, Bishop is literally found in the garbage in this movie. Yeah, that's where they pick him up. I do, I do love that. You know, Bishop gets turned back on, and uh, Bishop Lance Henrik- Hans- Henriksen says something like, "Oh, Ripley, it's good to see you again." And Ripley's response is, "Play back the flight log." She's like, "Shut up, you stupid robot. Do what I turned you on for." <laughs> do like so and what he's you're saying not- is, she she's treating him the way robots should be treated. Yes, yes. I know. I said in a. I think what in our episode nine discussion on this podcast, Zach, there's that little robot whose name I don't remember that has like it's yeah. treated. It, sure. I mean, it's treated the one that's treated <laughs> like an abused dog. And I'm like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen, because if your robot doesn't work the way you want it to, you pick it up, you smash it against the wall and you turn it back on. Like there is <laughs> robots deserve zero empathy in 100 percent of situations. Well, you know, the, the, it's really impressive. The lack of care taken by the uh, the prison, the prison uh, staff, because, you know, they like Bishop basically has a flight recorder and they proceed to immediately put him in the trash. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> but then even what uh, Lance Henriksen is like, turned me off. It's dark here, and I'm like, you know, I'm like, you can't feel things. Like, shut up. Well, he's, he's, no, he was no, in pain what he or says, something. Or what he, he says, what he says affirms your view even more, Rob. He says, yes. "I'll never be top of the line again. I'm. I'd rather be nothing." <laughs> so I guess on the topic of Bishop uh, something that I I feel like I didn't find any good well I didn't dig in too hard but I feel like Chris and Zach you might know Um, the the Lance Henriksen that shows up at the end of the movie canonically is that a person or a robot is there ever I'm curious I'm curious to hear what Chris's answer is to this well, there's a, there's a couple different answers. Um, that I is the think, correct answer. Yeah, I, there, but but I mean, I, I think in from the intention Prime. of Alien, <laughs> from the intention of Alien Three as an isolated film, I believe he's a person. Okay. The main reason for that is because you you see you see half his face get taken off, 
and like there's there's blood and you saw an android five minutes earlier and it was not like that for one reason but and then also the the further sequels which you can't really count when you're talking about what was intended with this movie sort of continue to affirm that the the guys who started up Waylon Utani kind of looked like Lance Henriksen. <laughs> so, so so like you know AVP sort of continues that and a couple of the video games do but I think it's supposed to be a person I think that he's treating her at face value when he says that he designed Bishop because it's it may it's why wouldn't he have designed Bishop and he says they literally picked it's not even that he's running the company like the, in AVP they kind of turned it into the Lance Henriksen or or one of his children who looks like him is the guy who was running the company and in alien 3 it just says he designed bishop and they picked me because you because i'd be a familiar face to you so it's not that he's running the show there he was like sort of just sent by a manager okay okay yeah i i like that the uh that it i have interpreted the two times i've seen it that he is a person and i'm fine with that explanation as well um i don't want to lose this thread though I, I do want it's a safe space, Joe. You can you can be honest. What do you think about robots? <laughs> robots are useful. They okay, do things. Okay. <laughs> are they no, are they are they below us completely? <laughs> that that depends on the person. That depends on the year you're talking about. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> see see in a in a in 50 or 75 years when the robots hear this, I don't want them to put me on the, I'm, on the list. I was or just my about family. to say, it sounds like uh, you're, you have a politician's I'm, answer. You don't want I'm, to go into the matrix. I'm playing it safe here. So any robots, uh, me or my family will not harm you in any way, shape or form. But no, it's <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> we got to put it, we got to put it out there because they're probably Good. already Good. listening. And any robots listening out there, I'm coming for you. Okay. <laughs> good. Well, they're, they're not good listen, they're, they're not listening now, but they'll be able to listen to every single podcast in existence in about half a second, and then they'll internalize all that information and decide to kill us all. <laughs> With Rob first, probably first. Yes. yes, I'm the I'm the top of the list. I'm the center of like the. Uh, the you know the cork board with all the strings coming out of it and stuff he's like a, that. He's the John Connor of the future. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I I just like to think that you know every time a new episode of Knights of Vader drops and people see that I'm on there, there like there should be like an over under in the Knights of Vader Facebook group on like how long it's going to take Rob to share his views on robots. <laughs> well, they'll be delighted this time that you're not just like trashing current Star Wars like as hard as possible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're not talking about that too much. That'll be good. But going back to the bishop thing about which one is bishop, I like I don't know. I agree with Chris to a degree, but like at the same time, though, if you watch, like there's the there is the blood around, like after he gets like hit over the head with a fire extinguisher or whatever the hell that is. It was a wrench. Oh, it's a wrench. Okay. Oh. And yet, like you look at his ear. Wait, like, wait, wait. Ear... Which version of the movie? Because maybe it's a lead pipe in another version of it. We don't know. <laughs> it's the same. He gets hit with an ox. <laughs> <laughs> it was the antler. <laughs> it was a steel. It was a. It was a folded steel chair. <laughs> Give him the chair. <laughs> but no, if you look at how like his ears dangling, it's some. It this looks very synthetic-y. And then you well, look at the credits, and it says Bishop Two. Right, but and well, and I mean, Wait, two you know, the, in, it's ambiguous. It's that's just my point. it's Roman numeral two, yeah. And, oh, and okay. you know, it's like that's either uh, the second or another android and i mean i think the best argument for it being another android though is like 
it's it's in the performance. If you were sent by your manager just because you looked like this android that she was familiar with and things just go badly to such a degree that you've been half your face has been taken off by a wrench, your your next reaction Warnox. is to your next reaction is to go run back to the helicopter, not scream about how mad you are that she's killing that alien. You don't yes. care about that alien. You don't care if she kills that thing. You just caught half your face taken off by a wrench. You're going back to the ship. You know, that's the biggest argument for it being an android. The fact that when she falls into that lava, he's screaming no, like it's like it's a real problem for him. Well, also, everything that he's saying is clearly a lie. So, like, I think I think at that point, there's also that, too, that, like, he clear he's saying things to her that are obviously falsehoods. I think I, I would agree with you, Zach, but in the sense that I think the, the series of Alien up to this point does a does the good job of making sure we know that the company is bad. Like I, like, I would find it very impressive if they had anybody that comes from the company and we believed them to any extent. Okay. Sure. Actually, I would have to say that it's probably a human because uh, none of the other people would listen to him if he was an android. When he told well, them to stop filming. Good. <laughs> and it, it, the ear probably was a very bad prosthetic, though. Because it was. I don't. I don't remember being annoyed by how it looked, but I mean, I what didn't what did annoy me, and going back to the android thing, is that like, you know, I'm trying to internalize that character's feelings right now, and like, I am so done caring about what this lady does or does not jump in what lava at that point. <laughs> like, you know, half your face is hanging off. You're probably done for the day. Well, the other thing is, if he didn't come back with that alien, you know what they would do to him. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a good point. That's yeah. that's a very good motivator. For a person. <laughs> Lance Henderson, this is your last chance. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you missed your alien I mean, quota three months in a row. <laughs> <laughs> you had your but shot designed, with an android. Yeah. But he, desi- he designed some good androids, though. I don't know if they'd off him that easily. Yeah, but he already designed them. They already got them in production. What do they need them for? <laughs> Are we going to talk about the whole thing too? That like where Ridley Scott has like said like, oh, the Alien franchise and like the Blade Runner fl- like franchise like overlap. Well, right. yeah. I mean, I, I guess we can get at the idea that the wooden planet is a replicant, of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I was gonna I was gonna go there, Zach, but that's almost like considering the fact that Lance Henriksen plays Charles Bishop Wayland in Alien vs Predator. You know, it's sort of like this is something Ridley Scott thought about. Who knows what year? <laughs> how long after the fact? Sure. No, I'm just curious as well. Do you but think I, that we'll ever get like Ridley Scott will want to like actually cross these universes over in film? Uh, or because uh, I know Disney, he's talked about it. Well, but. the problem is that like now with the Disney acquisition, like the Alien franchise is a Disney property, and Blade yes. Runner is like a Warner Brothers property, and it's already oh, begun. And they're doing weird stuff with the comics too. Apparently, they're well, like well, producing with Marvel or something. Yeah, the very first issue of Alien under. Marvel under Disney has just come out and I, I haven't read it yet, but I picked it up just to have a thoroughly disappointing masochistic experience. <laughs> Zach, I, your voice I heard changed about all that. of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> I told heard you, about man, that comic. I told you, everybody, like, Chris is my surrogate on this. Like, well, I'm not here. Chris is like, like as close as you're going to get to my opinions on like everything. He just Except for Alien. that statement alone. <laughs> I'm buying things just to be disappointed, just to know that I can feel. <laughs> well, you know, the whole, the whole, the whole, what, what, what once was the wonderful Dark Horse comics, like how they have fallen, you know, they put out 
years of great Star Wars stories that did things that the movies and a, a show on Disney Plus would never do for 100 years. And they put out 20 years of joyous alien risk predator content. And now both Again, of these subjects used by you, <laughs> both of these subjects are now, I mean, you know, there's a whole subset of, of quote unquote alien vs predator fans who would say that it was, it, it was, it was only ever good in the comics. And I haven't read enough of them to know, but those people exist, but it just sucks that dark horse has now lost star Wars and aliens and predator. It's like, Ouch, man! <laughs> you what know? They yeah, that's brutal. Well, I mean, just Disney—you know—Disney bought all the co- the companies to make the decisions to bring all that stuff back to Marvel. That's what happens. God damn it, Disney! Well, I I know on Cinemodities I have made the definitive pitch of how Marvel and Alien universes will cross over, and I'm still waiting for my check from Disney. <laughs> well, you right now with the first issue promotion, you're seeing crossover covers on all the other Marvel superhero comic books where you see a xenomorph interacting in some way with all the dumb Marvel heroes that no one should really care about. Yes, <laughs> that was exactly that, right that was exactly my pitch is that it's gonna be called David versus Goliath. Michael Fassbender's David is gonna go into the future and he's gonna bring a bunch of aliens to Earth and he's gonna be fought by everybody's favorite Marvel character, Goliath, played by Lawrence Fishburne, the version of Ant Man that gets bigger. It's perfect. I'm waiting for my check from Disney. <laughs> Well, you're you're waiting in line with Alan Dean Foster for your check from <laughs> Disney, who's got his great ideas taken and not. <laughs> so there it is. Okay, yeah, I didn't know about the covers now. The Blade Runner Warner. I guess I did know, but I didn't think about it. But yeah, okay. I mean, I don't know if I'd ever want to see anything crossed over with Blade Runner, but if anybody would do it, it'd be Ridley Scott. So you know. <laughs> Do we do we know what like I know Ridley Scott was like threatening to make another film after Alien Covenant and Alien series? Like, did, did he has he ever like told us what that would be about? Not from what, what I've read. Isn't and well, you know, but isn't the here isn't this the perfect allegory for like what's wrong with everything in Hollywood right now? Original director wants to make a prequel. Prequel gets turned into a trilogy against story considerations. Trilogy gets cut back to two movies and story gets never finished. Hollywood. Yes. Yes. Yep. I'm fine with all this. <laughs> hey, somebody who loves Alien Covenant, I am not fine with it. Rob, who is would... the protagonist of Alien Covenant? The audience. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Dad da- Elizabeth McBride. Shaw. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's uh, Michael Fassbender. He's the best character in both those movies. Rob, I teed you up for you teed you up for that one perfectly. The correct answer is Jack McCoy's daughter. <laughs> oh god. I mean, I I don't love Alien Covenant as much as you, Zach, but I I will never laugh so hard in a movie as I did when that woman goes to attack the alien and slips in blood. <laughs> that is hilarious in Alien Covenant. Yes, it is. It's great. It's like a Three Stooges it's, it's, sketch you know, in the middle of that movie. It's, it's <laughs> so interesting. It's so interesting that to hear to hear to hear your support of the sack because you know I all all of every Alien film, including both AVPs, I have whether I like it or not, I have memorized like 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 they were my life story. Except Alien Covenant, <laughs> I could not tell you what happens in that movie besides being horribly disappointed when uh, Michael Fassbender somehow 
kills all the engineers by like pressing a one button on their own ship above like a city or something. I, I, I was just like, you know, I, I, I can't believe how much that film, it, it left me with so little feeling. It was like watching solo. Chris, are you telling me that when Danny McBride got on like a bulldozer at the end of that movie, took off his cowboy hat and went, yeehaw, you weren't fully on board? It's you literally like feeling like, all the emotions? It's literally like they were trying to make a cartoon parody of Prometheus, which came out just before that. It's like, wow, I don't know what's going on. And I forgot Danny McBride was in it till you said that. And that makes it worse. You didn't take right. out your six shooter and fired into the air. <laughs> it's like this guy's this guy's hot right now for something that we shouldn't at all be connecting this movie to. This, this is great. Um, hold on, I, I do have an issue with with this real quick. Um, those aren't actually. I thought those weren't actually the um, actual engineers. I thought they were another like race that they helped create. Um, that's YouTuber nonsense, sir. They are unfortunately. And that's why I found the that information. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, you know what that is? That's someone like me who really doesn't want to believe that that's the engineers, but it is. I mean, I'm just saying. I, I, are you telling me? Hold on, let, let, let me pull up whatever recent things. Going I'll let, on. I'll, let yeah. I'll let Rob do this. Rob, would you say that YouTube is the bastion of truth? <laughs> What if you I, I only say was that. made out of wood? <laughs> <laughs> I only say that because, unfortunately, I've, I, I'm very confident I've seen the exact piece of YouTube trash that has given Zinger this idea, and <laughs> and and I and I too wish it were true because it is it is that 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 high octane fanboy fan fiction nonsense that and on the odd occasion is better than what we actually got, but unfortunately that is not the reality. On the topic of Bastion of Truth, Zach, I have a quick hold, hold thing on, I wanted to on. admit. Uh-oh, uh-oh. I, I, I got us some YouTube info. Yeah, yeah. Because right now, are you telling me that me watching this video, Obi-Wan Kenobi series actor confirms they are a force wielder, Inquisitor, Ahsoka, and more theories? Are you telling me that that video is not hot, hot garbage? I know that we haven't really established who's playing Ahsoka yet. It's all up in the air. <laughs> I, I haven't really established the fact that my punching bag of a YouTube channel is still putting out garbage. <laughs> I don't mean my YouTube channel. I mean the one I go to every time I want to make a point about stupid Star Wars content. And it never <laughs> fails. So we're, we're really trying not to name channels, right? I mean, I can name this one if I want to, but I mean, what's the point? Well, just so for the clair- clarity of the conversation, but it sounds like we're trying to avoid it. I mean, I, I don't care. The channel's <laughs> name is Click This. Is? Click This. <laughs> so, I mean, I'll tell you this right now. It's a two minute and 50 second video. I guarantee you a minute and 50 of that is just ads. <laughs> or clicking the like button. <laughs> that too. Yep. Don't forget yeah. to fist punch that like button. I was almost about to say another word, but Zach would have Rob, to edit it. No. Rob, what's the cor- what's the correct phrasing for that? Take that subscribe button to Pound Town. <laughs> how well, how many times, Rob? An what, what's odd the number of times. Because <laughs> you know, if you click it, if you click an odd number of times, it's subscribe. But on even clicks, you unsubscribe. So you have to make sure. Like you can click it furiously, but make sure it's an odd number of times. Like, that's very important because you don't want to have wasted your time clicking the subscribe button if you're unsubscribed at the end of your I don't know sixty minute click fest. <laughs>
So I want there was something about the bastion of truth, which very recently on Cinemodities we came to the groundbreaking conclusion that IMDb trivia is not the bastion of truth that we always what? thought it was. I know it's it's groundbreaking, Zenger. That my world that, is destroyed. I, I know it's ridiculous. Reality's unraveling. There is a wonderful IMDb trivia on the Alien Cubed uh, page that just says, and five out of eight people found this interesting. There might the, be another one in a second. The <laughs> the first in the series where Ripley does not scream at an electronic to go faster or stop. That's it. <laughs> I'm sold. And I'm like, sold. I'm like, here we go. <laughs> I mean, I that's, th- yeah, wow. Uh, like, who, like, what have we come to as a culture for someone to even have that thought? Yes. The, the uh, most of the IMDb trivia entries are huge paragraphs that I could not bring myself to read, but that one is just short and sweet and to the point. I can't tell you the specific moments in the first two movies where she's screaming at an electronic, but I am sure it happens. And you know, and how lucky we are to have, to have Ripley dead, <laughs> you know, because like the, what happens when, you know, even, you don't even, even if they kill the character, they, they can, du- they can dust them off and re-ruin them as we've seen recently with, um, <laughs> with Terminator. But, um, you know, it, it's like on some level, I was intrigued by the, all that speculation around the, the concept art for the Neil Blomkamp alien five that was released. And you know, the whole thing where he was caught in pre-production hell with them. And then he's like, Oh, this is never going to happen. So I'm going to post some of this concept art on Twitter. And then when that got a huge following Fox was like, well, wait a minute, maybe, maybe we can work something out. So <laughs> glad then, it then, never happened. And then Ridley Scott came in and was like, what the hell is this? Yeah. Well, okay. I mean, if you didn't like aliens, Let's do aliens again, but make them sixty years old. Okay. I, I would, I would rather have that. I want Hicks back. I, I want I Hicks got back. Something. Give I, Michael I was, B more work. I, I wanted I Hicks looking, back till I saw Mandalorian. But all right. I was Fair. looking under trivia, and I did find out this. And um, Rob, you you may appreciate this, so buckle up. Uh, forty out of forty-two people found this interesting. In wide shots, most of the refinery is actually made of cardboard. Which <laughs> what is cardboard made from? What is cardboard but different wood, honestly? <laughs> so you I mean technically wood planet. I thought cardboard you were gonna planet. I thought you were gonna read probably the best IMDB trivia uh, fact that says the third of four alien movies starring Sigourney Weaver, full stop. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. And now and here's something I here's something I read earlier uh today that I that maybe if you guys did a little more research than me. I heard that they spent something like just on sets when it was still supposed to be a wood planet, they spent roughly five million dollars building a some sort of wood planet set. Is there any pictures of that? Because I couldn't find them. I've only seen like concept art of the wooden planet. Um, I, I think I read something similar about all the money that they spent and, and that's always, I, I guess this falls in the category of, we were talking about how ridiculous Hollywood is these days, but even on the, just these days back then, and you know, the early nineties, they, they have these ideas where they're like, this movie needs to get made. 
and they spend so much money on it that it's ridiculous. And, and this is definitely, I think, falls in that category. But there's so many other examples where they will, you know, try and get actors or actresses on board before the movie even has any notion of being made, just because you know it, it's this weird shell game of running things around. And that always drives me crazy, where they're just like. We have no idea what this movie's going to look like, but we know it needs to happen. The third Alien movie needs to happen, so let's dump all the money into it. It's a very, very weird dynamic. Just like yep. just like the uh, Rogue Squadron film being helmed by Patty Jenkins. Just and like you, it's like Patty, the ink see, is still is, dry, but just put a flight suit on, and get undressed in your car, and I'll be fine. No, no question. You guys, you guys, you guys, this is where we this is where we come together and don't disagree because you know everything you're saying is right. Where the motivations are bad, the the way Fincher is treated is bad. I just I just happen to think the the way things ended up is sort of compelling, and it didn't have to be that way, and it probably odds were against it being that way but and and it's a it's it's a shame for fincher that it's that way because i think he whatever he wants to however much he wants to not like this movie i think it's pretty good but like it's just it like everything it had everything going against it and when you have you 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 don't end up with a good movie when you have everything going for it a lot of the time and I, I don't know. Like, there's just like I feel like stuff like this is gonna you're 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 gonna miss it even more another ten years down the road when the idea of you know you don't get to live with these characters of these feature films for very long anymore. And it's if you know six years passed since Aliens, and this is down to the minute direct continuation. Like from the first Alien movie to a the end of Alien Three where she dies, you're with Ripley for her en entire conscious life. <laughs> from the first moment we meet her till her death like she's literally frozen in cryosleep between those two two movies and it's just something that is just not done anymore and it happened to sort of work out in a the in the format of a trilogy for me in this case and it Are only we, got worse is, is that true though for aliens because i know there's a big portion of that where like she's like what working on like okay there's there's possibly one time gap where she mostly unloaded tra tractor trailers for a couple of weeks. Aha, <laughs> uh -huh, folks, I won. Unwatchable. Point, <laughs> point set match, Zach. Wait, I got I got one for you, Zach. Okay. I, I found an interesting fact you'd be interested in. Okay. This movie was the 28th biggest grossing film of 1992. Yeah, twenty-seven I, I movies did better. I, but I like that the IMDb trivia effect uses the word "biggest." It's it the biggest grossing, not highest grossing. It didn't lose <laughs> money, by the way. My question for you, Zach: What it was did, the highest whoa, whoa. grossing movie of nineteen ninety-two? Oh God, what was ninety-two? In year of release. Yeah, I thank you. Tell, tell um, you what, if you can get one of the top tens, I'll be impressed. But if you can get uh, the number one one. Pokemon the movie 2000. I wonder, how, I, wonder, I wonder how Batman Returns did. I don't know. Number one. Answer that question when Zach gives me an answer. Batman Returns is probably like one or two. Is that your final answer? Sure. Zach, you have to refer to me as um, Grand Zinger? Admiral Zinger for the rest of the episode. Not the Honorable because... Judge Zinger? No, Grand Admiral Zinger for the rest okay, of the episode great. because Batman was three. Oh God! Such a, I'm such a, isn't, was Mrs. Doubt? No, Mrs. Doubtfire was the '80s. What '80? '92 was what? Oh God, that's a Rogue weird. One. 
<laughs> it's got to be Star Wars, right? <laughs> We're on a Star Wars podcast. Always Star Wars. <laughs> it's always Star Wars. Uh, thank you for derailing me, Zenger. I was going to ask a question, and I completely forgot what it was now. So thank you. Thank you, Zenger. Grand Admiral Zenger. Mrs. Doubtfire was 93, you pleb. <laughs> <laughs> Batman Returns was number one. Uh, according to the thing I'm looking at on IMDb, it was Aladdin for the highest. Uh, yeah. film. Are you doing, are you doing, are we doing domestic or worldwide? I don't know. I'm just getting highest gross. <laughs> okay. The, the bastion of truth. Once again, that will not, does not fail us. In year of this release. Is, this is Aladdin. Is, okay. Anyway, though, Calendar thir- gross would be Batman. Sanger, Sanger, please stop. Please stop. Sanger. Come, <laughs> the matrix. <laughs> Stop! You're making me hate podcasting again. Oh, God, if everyone wants to know why I stop, I, I do not just like like scoop the bottom of the barrel like I've done yesteryears. This is why I don't have the patience for this anymore. Um, Chris, you said this movie lost money or did or made a profit? It made a profit. Yeah, it made a profit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said I, I just pointed out that it didn't lose money because yeah. you know that's just one other argument people could throw at it, which is baseless but yeah exactly all right is there anything okay do we want to talk about the ending to this movie and how like it had like one thing i want to talk about which was always kind of cool to me growing up was wayland yutani commandos when is disney gonna make that movie when are we getting the wayland yutani commandos do you mean do you mean these beautiful uh uh michelin man flamethrower guys (laughs) yes yeah oh no incorrect there are no flamethrowers in this movie no, they have guns. Yeah, they have guns. No flamethrowers right. were All used. Right. This is the only movie where there's no flamethrower. Really? That's an IMDb trivia? <laughs> yeah, like, it, it, I like it, that the quad is just exclusively reading all the short ones like I did. <laughs> all right. Well, you know. so long. You know, that like, just blocks of text on this page <laughs> just just another wonderfully underrated design from this movie that is only used for for a minute. But uh, you know, um, Zach, you know you're you're a fellow uh, plastic nonsense enthusiast. Yes, I, NECA, I, I, NECA put out a figure yes. of this guy. Yeah, and I lost out on. Oh, I know because I lost out on it. And like, I remember when they did that, everyone's like, okay, when's like, because NECA now like nothing's exclusive anymore. Then they just re-release stuff constantly. And everyone's like, okay, when are we getting the way on Utani Commando re like re like restock? And they're like, oh no, that was it. Everyone's like, wait, <laughs> you're telling me you're taking a figure people have always wanted that is fodder for army builders and you're not re-releasing it. And they're like, nope, like we're going to re-release the alien from the original alien a hundred more times, but you ain't getting that. And they're like, why? And we, to this day, like that's like, I think that's like now like got like a $200 figure. Cause like they, it was released in very short supply and uh, it's an army builder figure. So thanks NECA. But Rob, you'll love this. They're making figures from a American werewolf in London. All the, the the Nazi the Nazi demons. They are oh. making the Nazi demons. Uh, Griffin Dunn zombie? No, no Griffin Dunn oh, zombie. Oh, I would well, totally the, get that. I mean, <laughs> they probably don't have swastikas. I've had to guess. They don't. They don't. That's the, literally that is the first thing I checked when I saw that. I'm like, where are the swastikas? Well, you know, it's they're right now. They're taking. They're, they're, DC is not allowing guns with their DC Comics figures. This is a new thing from, from a really? month ago. It's a new world, man. Not even guns with your your DC figures. Like, you know, guys like Two-Face who, like, back in the 90s, yeah, when, when, when toys were for men, 
back in the nineties. Like <laughs> two, two, two faces, two faces gun was molded into his hand. You couldn't even take it out. But now, <laughs> but now, but now you can't have a gun at all. It's, it's interesting. Was the gun half burnt in acid too? <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> oh God. I hate it. How long until like Disney just completely like takes blasters out of star Wars? Well, just to be fair, DC is not owned by Disney, but just give it time. That's what I mean. Like, because I know, like, even now, like, even like, uh, oh god, like, they've, like, with Wonder Woman, like, Chris, you'll love Dude. this because, like, I, I, I sat there and pre-ordered like all the, the, oh god, what's his name, uh, McFarlane, like, Hack Snyder, like, Justice League figures, and like, I saw it. They're not making a new Wonder Woman. And like I had to get the one from like Wonder Woman 1984. It doesn't come with her sword or shield. And I'm like, what the hell is this? Well, I don't know why it doesn't come with swords or shield because that's not guns and that's it's aggressive. Not... Aggressive yeah, or weapons. Allowed. You can beat someone yeah. to death with a shield. Yeah, weapons are not allowed. You can beat someone to death with a shield. Mm, I'm pretty sure swords and shields are allowed. I'm pretty sure guns are the politically polarized. <laughs> I like choice. To... <laughs> I imagine Zenger like walks into like a mall with a sword and shield, and they're like, "Sir, you are not allowed in here." Without a mask. He's like, I'm sorry. Puts the mask on them while it was a sword and shield. <laughs> I mean, accurate. Also, um, do you want to correct your, your statement there, sir? Oh. Who walked into the yeah, I think he's talking about you, your reference to him, Zach. Oh, what what? You're not you wait, what? Zenger you, his his appropriate title. My <laughs> title for the rest of the episode. Great Admiral Zenger. Thank you. The Zenger, third. I like to, the third. <laughs> I like to imagine like a Zenger a couple weeks. What was this? Two. A couple weeks ago, you you mentioned or no, you posted a picture on like what was it, Instagram or Facebook of you with like your helmet collection, like yeah. your Star Wars helmet and like your uh, uh, was a Punisher War Machine helmet, which makes no sense, but whatever. Oh, it makes no <laughs> sense. I'm I actually I'm looking at it right now. Zenger, like it still makes no sense even as I look at it. <laughs> <laughs> and note, note, you could tell by the Doppler shift that he actually was looking. <laughs> I have to turn around in the new office because it's behind I, me now. But I like to imagine that Zenger is buying all these, and Ellie is like weirdly complicit in it because she's like Zenger's like, well, Ellie, like we all have to wear like face masks now, and like think about it, we have to buy like we, were, like, we get like the surgical masks, we have to replace them every single time we go out of the house. But if we buy hundred dollar Hasbro helmets. All we gotta do is get a little bit of Lysol and like cut to like next time like Zenger's like at the mall those kids. Daddy, this is heavy. It hurts my neck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you get you get sent out of the store immediately. So I've heard. But that's oh man, <laughs> accurate. <laughs> oh man, you see like, the ca- you see the person that, like at the like the, like oh god Target the cashier stations like child abuse takes many forms. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, I, I was thinking about this. So if this is the only film that does not feature a flamethrower. <laughs> We're still on this again. No, no, no. Rob, you'll appreciate this. It was probably because it wouldn't make sense to have one on an entirely wooden planet. Bomb, 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 bomb. You know what's the, the remarkable thing about that trivia is that it, they think it's remotely interesting to say this is the only one out of three movies as if. That's no, a four, big enough four. sample size to glean any sort of <laughs> a interesting movie. thought. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you, Chris. The, we should change IMDb trivia for this movie because we know it's a lawless wasteland and we can do whatever we want with it. <laughs> to say something like, this is the only movie of 1992 that did not have a flamethrower. <laughs> Aladdin flamethrowers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. 
Batman Returns? Flame. That probably are flamethrowers in that one. Yeah. Maybe, right, well, there's so, rocket penguins, so probably flamethrowers. <laughs> so Luckily, I think we got off on this tangent from the ending. Something that I wanted to bring up that leads into the ending is, even though I have not seen the assembly cut, I have done the research into, like, well, what are the differences and what are added? Um, I think I agree with you, Chris, for the most part, that a lot of it seems superfluous. You know, definitely, like, um, uh, set-up shots and wide shots and, and all these things. Yeah, I like, think, you know, stuff stuff like when the village of... Ladies start singing about Aquaman stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, the, the, it, Chris, the five minute arrow joke. sequence Zach is telling me about in Snyder in Snyder's cut. Um, but I I was watching some videos where someone was like uh, defending the assembly cut, and he was basically like, "Oh, the scene between Pete Postlethwaite and the warden is a lot longer, and it like shows the warden handing him that cup of coffee, and the guys like saying this is what we needed in this movie." And I'm like, "Who who do you think you are?" And like that you are defending this. The thing exactly. I did like. From the assembly cut that I would have liked fleshed out because I think it would add to the a lot of the themes of this movie. I like the idea that the the guy who survives the initial alien attack and calls it a dragon becomes obsessed with it like it's a, a religious figure and wants to release it from captivity. I thought that was interesting. Huh. That yeah, that's good. But like you know, if you have if you have to pick one. I think I think the way the the way the the aliens birth scene was cut in the theatrical version is just it it just makes up for all that. That's interesting. You're talking to a guy who thinks it's a good movie, so you know what? Like both, I, I've watched both and I like both. I'm just saying, like, especially if we're talking to an audience of people who's just heard trash about this movie for years on end and never watched it, just like, probably go theatrical. I think you'll enjoy it more. It's yeah, and HBO I Max. I do think also that you know if you include that, it does take away from kind of the whole uh, Ripley's whole thing about having to deal with the alien and knowing that she has the the queen inside of her. Because I'm I'm pretty sure from what I've heard about the assembly cut that everything that involves this this guy trying to to you know or successfully releasing it from captivity and putting everybody back in danger after they've captured it. That, that she's not really involved. She's off doing something else somewhere. Um, so it would take away from that. But the idea itself is pretty cool that, you know, you have all these these characters who have become these almost religious fanatics because of their circumstance. And then this new crazy creature comes into play and one of them decides to worship it. That's just a neat idea, I think. And I think it gets at the idea of, oh, there's all this depression that's wearing down on us. And then what's our holy figure finally? It's this thing that's just killing us for no reason. It's It's the most real thing in any of these movies the way it represents some of the worst of society is accurate beyond anything you'll find in any of the rest of this series you know it's and and also just ex the the whole the whole acceptance of her own mortality it's just a level of real that nobody seems to want on that scale anymore okay completely off topic or actually getting back on topic is that I looked up the Wayland Utani NECA figure. Apparently, like <laughs> China has flooded a bunch of bootlegs into the market. And I guess people don't know how to discern the bootlegs from like yes. the authentic ones. Oh, I do. So now, so now, of course you do, Chris. Of course you do. I don't doubt your ability to discern bootlegs. Chris is like, show me a picture. Let me smell it. I can figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> you, can, you can tell by whether or not the paint looks like it was applied by a fifth grader. That's how you can tell. <laughs> Because only NECA uses seventh graders to apply their paint. Um, no, apparently now it's like only like a twenty thirty dollar figure, as opposed to it being like a hundred dollars a couple years ago. But oh, this well, is not apparently the, the hotness has worn off on Alien Three. Then, yes, 
<laughs> but Finally. this is the kicker, though, and this is when we get Rob for Christmas this year. NECA apparently made a 30th anniversary aliens figure of director Colonel James Cameron. Oh my. It's, J- it's James Cameron, Jimmy C, as a colonial marine. And it comes with a gun. Uh, uh, oh god, the uh, oh god, the board for uh, filmmaking, the, the slate board. Okay. And it comes with like a. Ca- I think it comes with a camera. Is and it like, like a, a? Is it like a white hair modern James Cameron or like no? An 80s James it's, it's, it's '80s James Cameron. I wish it was he's, modern. He's buff. They took off the head of a GI Joe and put James Cameron's head on it. <laughs> more or less. More or less. You're not. I wrong. did Google Alien Three toys, and in the uh, in the images, one comes up that apparently there is an action figure of the dog from the theatrical cut. I like that. Uh, well, <laughs> I saw that recently. Yeah, I was pretty tempted. He has an alternate face where he's got the like face hugger scars. Yep. Yep. I would love to have that somewhere and be like, what's uh, what's that? Is is that dog from? Is uh, is there any like significant meaning to it? It's like, that's the dog from Alien Cubed. (laughs) It's like (laughs) nobody will know what you mean by that sentence. (laughs) You know, and it also has another uh, lovely poster that much like the original Alien, a poster that features a design that you basically don't see in the movie. I mean, you know, it's debatable that the queen face hugger that Burr said Ripley at the end is the same as the design on the poster, but you don't really see it to that extent. And of course, the original alien poster has like basically a chicken egg as the alien egg and yep. it looks nothing like how it does in the movie so that's that's fun also it all it, the the shared lineage of aborted design choices well, and okay. but there's go yeah. ahead i was just okay. gonna say there's also a queen face hugger that was designed that wasn't really used in the movie but it exists in the other media a lot doesn't it yeah and an, an and a NECA figure of course yeah oh yeah of course Oh, and if you want the difference, it's bigger and it has like webbing. I mean, it looks pretty cool. It, it does, does, yeah. Well, Chris, what do you speaking of aborted ideas? What do you think of the teaser trailer being like in space no one can hear you scream, but on earth everyone can? Like what like what what is your opinion on that? I think you're interpreting it too literally. It's talking about the theater, Zach. It's all good. <laughs> is that is that it's funny. As I was watching the documentary today, I was like you could make that argument, except for the fact that you literally see the Earth. But I'm like, oh, you know what? Pish posh. The theater is on Earth. Well, I mean, it's Fury uh, numbers and that I don't remember. That it's not Earth. Fury 161. There it is. Thank, thank you, Joe. Joe, Joe, what's your opinion on the uh, Wayland yutani Commando action figures from that? <laughs> well, the, one from, the ones that you can find from China have a uh, considerable amount of lead paint on them. Ooh. Yes. Oh, so, sign me up. Vintage. <laughs> mm, so, so, okay, so basically, I can lick the figure. No, yeah, you so don't. What you're, you don't what you're saying is that figure. it adds it has added flavor, <laughs> <laughs> added nutrients for uh, for those who do not take vitamins. <laughs> lick the figure enough, you too can become a uh, Wayland Yutani Commando. Well, I just they'll put you in the suit like the Wayland Yutani. <laughs> yeah, and you know how and how great is it when uh. When everyone else is dead, the only guy who survives is 85. And oh man, like the fact that he's he's called 85 because his eye is 85. I thought 85 got shot. I thought he could 85 is the only survivor in the theatrical cut. I don't know about your hedonistic 
at a longer <laughs> version. Wait, no, I, I definitely no, it's think 85. it's not 85. It's not 85. Right? It's some, no. what, what's his the name? The guy gets Go- shot in the leg. Sorry, yeah, you're right. My bad. It's not 85. 85 is the one who whacks uh, Lance Henderson across the head and he gets shot right, in this, the chest. Right, this guy's properly crazy. It's not 85. What's this guy? I don't remember. I think it's Morris. Yeah, there you go. Chris is like, is these characters the are so... Oh my God, I knew you. like, this movie is so... Language! This movie's so memorable. I can mistake every character for every other character. You know what? That they don't. The they don't mistake. use their names as much. Sure. Well, keep here's keep the other telling thing. yourself that the um the action figure of James Cameron actually has a little Canadian flag on him. And of course it does. Because Canada's greatest export. Yeah. Let's see. I've never understood that because James Cameron is not from Canada. He's from a different dimension, brought here to rule over all of us on Earth. <laughs> <laughs> So what, he's that's, having to land in Canada? If aliens uh, uh, came to a different planet and landed in Canada, we called them Canadian aliens? No, and, it makes yes. no sense. And the plan was all work, working perfectly until he became addicted to video games in late 2009, and then he stopped making movies. <laughs> completely. Yeah. Actually, the proper term would be Canadians. <laughs> oh, I love that. I like that. Patent oh, pending, copyrighted. Like, has way too many wives. I think we've been buried like... Yeah, we uh, we talk about James Cameron's uh, history of marriages often on Cinematopies. <laughs> Let's look at it this way, Zenger. James Cameron has many marriages as you have kids. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's got me beat. And, and, and that's, wow. And, and, and that's not a finite wives. number. It's a wave function. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now that's Rob humor. That is Rob humor. Just, oh, man. Rob's going to think about that like a couple nights from now and just die laughing. Oh yeah, that's good. Zenger, I thought you were gonna say no, he's got me beat, so I have to try harder. <laughs> <laughs> James right Cameron's back. wives is Zenger's children's X plus one. <laughs> As James Cameron gets divorced and remarried, he's like, Oh god, another one now. <laughs> Allie, we have to go buy another Star Wars helmet from Target. Get in the car. Actually, by the time you guys are listening to this, I'll be viciously trying to purchase the uh, Mando helmet. Oh, that comes out in a couple of days, right? Yeah, it does. I, as the recording of this in a couple of days, as by the time you're listening to this, I'm actively looking for it. Are you? Like, did you pre-order it? People. No, pre-order? it wouldn't let me. Oh yeah, you had to pre-order it back in like September before the show oh, came out. I'm I'm sorry, I didn't have one of my 15 stimuluses by then. <laughs> 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 oh man, Zenger's entire stadium's paycheck just goes immediately to just buy more Star Wars elements. He's doing his part <laughs> just to regenerate the economy. <laughs> oh my god. All right. Is there anything else to say about this movie that we want to talk about? Uh, Rick, I do. I have, I have one thing. Okay. Is is Dune the perfect movie for you, Rob? Because it does not feature robots, but it is science fiction. Uh, I mean, I'm not a big fan of the David Lynch movie or the book. Uh, I don't think uh, something doesn't have to, it shouldn't have robots for me to like it. Robots should be treated appropriately for me to like it. I think that's the best. I'm not like fully against robots. I'm against robots getting empathy from living creatures. Well, I just, I'm just offended that, that you aren't calling them robots. Like heavily pronouncing it badly because that you're showing them respect by properly pronouncing what they are. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I Herbit. agree with that. <laughs> 
I think I can. I think I can have grasp over the English language while still appropriately disrespecting things. Well, as this, as Zach in this podcast have taught me, robot. Thank you, robot. It's like in uh, uh, what was it Alita Battle Angel, Jackie Earl, Jack or ah, Jackie Earl Haley in a robot costume. <laughs> See, it's perfect. Fun fact, folks: the villain of Alita Battle Angel is James Cameron. Yes, <laughs> Edward Norton as James Cameron. That is what he's listed as in the credits. Dare me? <laughs> prove me wrong. That was so funny. It's like, oh, who's the villain of Alita? James Cameron. James. Cameron. <laughs> I think. Uh, I think the last thing about Alien times Alien times Alien that I had was um, the the ending when the the queen little baby pops out of Ripley's uh, chest as she's falling into the into the lava into the furnace. In the in the video that you sent me, Zach, uh, that was a little supposed to be like a review slash retrospective slash analysis or something like that, um, the 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 person who made that video or, or narrates the video at least makes it very very clear. He repeats himself ad nauseum. Uh, it's like he doesn't understand that if he says something once, the audience will get it. Um, but he says it many times. Like he's like the ending. It's so rushed. It's so so rushed. It looks terrible. It's so rushed. It's so rushed. I'm fine with it. It looks like '90s technology special effects. What did What did you guys think? Did anybody really hate the look of that? Because I thought it was it was serviceable. Amen. I thought it was rushed. So rushed. <laughs> you know what? You, rushed? You, you know it's just it's just what modern culture has done to us. See, like Ripley, it it does look a little rushed. Maybe what happens is Ripley falls back into the lava, and essentially she fades out into nothing. Now, if this were any time in the last 10 years, when she finally made contact with the lava, an explosion would have occurred. Yes. But that doesn't happen, so people are like, effects bad. <laughs> no, no, no. If this was made now, she would have been falling, had it burst out of her chest, had like an epic, dramatic like monologue as she fell, and then she it never like, almost gets away. Yeah. She has to grab it out of the air. Yeah. Yeah, I you thought know, it kind was of... fine. I had no problem with it. I mean, that that whole video, I think that I had problems with that dude's analysis of it, analysis and air quotes. I'm I'm not kidding. I don't know if any of you guys saw it. I know Zach sent it to me. I'm sure Zach watched it. But there's a point at the end of the video where the narrator says, "Alien 3 was the first movie in the Alien franchise that I saw, which means that I saw Alien and Aliens after I saw Alien 3." And I was like, who is he speaking to? Five-year-olds? Like, I understand what he meant the first time. <laughs> Rob, remember remember what's watching this on YouTube. Remember what's watching this on YouTube. Recommendation algorithm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I, I, oh, no, Zanger's looked, the answer. <laughs> uh, I always thought, uh, I, I thought it looked kind of cheesy. Like, they, they, the compositing of the green screen looked a little off to me. Like, in the sense of just, like, it looks like, like, she's just kind of, like, standing there. It looks like a, like a fan, like, on, and she's, like, in front of a green screen. I, it, it's wonky. It's but wonky. But are you, are you talking about the effect of just her with the backdrop yeah, on the fire? Yeah. yeah. But, so that, that, in the, in the assembly cut, the, it's the same shot, right? It's just, they don't have the alien pop out of her chest. I think so. So it's still the same composite shot, right? I mean, I, I that's maybe the so, question yeah. for Chris if he's seen it. Yeah, the effect's not noticeably different. Um, okay. You know, it's arguable that ha the actually needing the alien to burst out of her is like, like we're really talking to the idiots in the audience having that to need to happen, right? I mean, I don't know if I agree. I think there's something there's something nice about it. Of course, the 
chestburster gestation period is all over the place in these movies. Sometimes it's five minutes, sometimes it's three days. Sure. But uh, but you know, obviously, you, there's there's something nice about it. Maybe it could sense the free fall, and it's like I better get out of here. Oh, it's already too late. What is you know? <laughs> what I mean? Like there's okay you know there's there, like there's a re there, like it's it, there's like sure it's a little bit spoon feedy. We all ultimately know that she ha- she has it in her, but. It, I think it fits. I think it's once again. I think it's nicer playing out that way, and um, it it fits the absolute. I wish I remembered the composer's name because like the music's just amazing in this movie. I love, it's so atmospheric and like the the for the funeral scene and when she, Ripley dies at the end, it's a similar similar piece. I just I love it so much. It's it it fits wonderfully where it's like a little super emotional but like super depressing at the same time. She's finally done, but she sort of screwed over the company one last time. But of course, it's like like everything, it's ultimately in vain because you know, if there's one alien out there there's there's a million more and you know they'll find it eventually but she stopped them this one last time before a kick in the bucket i agree with you completely about the score i'm glad you reminded me of that i loved the score for this movie i think i love them for even for aliens for all these movies i thoroughly enjoy the the franchise music um my two pitches on improving the the final scene of her falling into the lava one it should have been like Lance Henriksen should have got closer to her and she's backing up like, you know, like he's like, don't jump or something. And then as she falls backwards, the alien queen pops out of her chest and we see like the alien queen's like little hand extend and Lance Henriksen reaches out for it. But they just miss each other like a like a like a creation of man moment. I think that would have been great. And then I think Zenger will get behind me as she's falling into the lava. This is my second fix. The the uh, chestburster pops out and sings, "Hello, my baby. Hello, my honey. Hello, my ragtime gal." <laughs> Perfection. <laughs> Perfect movie. <laughs> oh man, no, but I mean, I'm I'm fine. You I can just stop found it making so, movies now. <laughs> I just found it so weird where it's like you know, because not only was it the video I mentioned before that Zach sent me, but I have heard that another criticism I've read of this film where they're like that last scene looks so bad and it's clear that it's rushed. And it turns out it was rushed, like it was done for reshoots or whatever. And I'm like, this just seems like confirmation bias at this point. You know, you're looking for a yeah, way it's to like, tear this apart. Watch Justice League if you want to see like underbaked effects. Like it's it was fine for the day. Yeah, I have no problem with it. So 92. Like, what else were you watching at the time? It's the best thing on is the best thing available at the time by far. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I've heard Aladdin's pretty thing. good. <laughs> All right. Anything else you want to say about this movie, Joe? How are you doing? How, I'm doing your first fine. Podcast experience going? Have you? Have I'm you doing all right. Lava? Have you jumped into the lava yet? Uh, I want to jump into the lava. <laughs> well, the one thing that you failed to mention was that there is someone that was in Star Wars in this movie. <gasps> the lava? <laughs> <laughs> they were actually on the planet Mustafar. No, no. <laughs> Ralph Brown was in this movie who played Rick Olay. Oh yeah, Rick Olay. Oh God. All right. The, okay, so that's eighty five, right? <laughs> no, eighty five. Eighty five oh. was. All right. Well, I just got I, my whole argument just fell apart. <laughs> <laughs> Danny Webb. <laughs> oh my God. I and we it. had a Doctor Who in there too. He was the crazy guy. It has Rick Olay. Well, I knew it was. You the need best to movie narrow ever. that down. Yeah. It was Paul McGann. Paul McGann was in the movie too. 
See, just so many talented actors. So many talented actors, you know. He he went from this movie straight to the Doctor Who made for TV movie. Ooh. You, had to, you had to phrase it that way. I know. <laughs> I guess you didn't mention that Holt McElhaney's in this movie, and he's good. I mean, he's an attempted bad touch man in this movie. <laughs> oh, so much right, bad well, touching. You know, yeah, I mean, this plate, like... Like I think my work was done after the first hour here. So uh, anyone, <laughs> anyone who's objectively listening and appreciating, like the fact that you know, like as you guys often say, everything is terrible now. So you better count your blessings and and appreciate those gems that are out there that you'll never see the likes of them again. Well, you well, think I, Alien Three is bad? You'll never get anything that good again. So enjoy Alien Three. <laughs> I wouldn't say good. I'd say weird. Well, it's it's. I wouldn't say weird either, though, Zach. You know, you gotta you gotta look at it odd based on based on the time. You know, everyone's looking for bigger and better. You know, you went from aliens where you had all these space marines going out there and firing up all these aliens. You sit there and you go to Alien Three. It kind of goes back to the first one, where it's more of a horror-driven storyline. Is it though? Well, it is but- because they don't have any guns. Everything's working against them. The only thing they have is something that they have to trap the alien in. Mm. So I sure. understand where Chris is coming from on that. But in but the end, the, in the true end, villain it, is man. Yes, because man wants the alien. Oh, boy. Yeah, like I said, no, I don't disagree with oh, like Chris's point. I just disagree with the fact that it's a movie. Like, I, I don't see it as a finished product. <laughs> I just don't see it. Like, his points are all valid. Okay, except okay. For kind wait, of how classifying. Zach, Zach is like, this is a TV show. You can't convince me otherwise. <laughs> okay, Zach, was book. there an opening credit? I read it. <laughs> can you click this movie? No, <laughs> therefore it's can a I, book. <laughs> can I swipe left or right on it? Can you subscribe? All right. I Zach. can subscribe. Answer <laughs> an- 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 me this. Okay. Was there an opening credits? No. Yes, maybe. I don't remember. <laughs> yes, yes, there was. The okay. <laughs> was there something happening for like an hour? That is that is negotiable. That is negotiable. Okay. <laughs> to conclude, was there an end credits? Remember, credits do not make a film. If a director no, walks no, no, the off final of it, thing, I do not count it as that. Final thing. Does Nick Fury show up at the end? <laughs> <laughs> Trying to recruit the alien. Not Scorny Weaver, the alien. Alien. I didn't wait till after the credits. So <laughs> the I'll Avengers initiative. The, the wooden planet will return. In <laughs> Speaking of returning in Avengers Endgame, how long, Chris, until Disney ruins this? How long do we get the alien movie starring not okay when they make when Disney decides to make another alien property, whether it be a movie for theaters or for Disney Plus TV show, whatever, is it good? A, is it going to suck? Which I think we all know the answer to it. And B, is it going to involve Sigaruni? Okay, well, I'm so glad you asked because here's the here's the real deal. Direct on. You ready for the, here's the real deal. So you know, there's a lot of the in this this relates beautifully to Star Wars. You know, there are a lot of podcasts, especially out there, that they they love to sing the sing the praises of the newest things that come out. Well, Disney's doing great with this and that. You shouldn't hate on Episode Seven, Eight, Nine, this and that. Um, you know, they do that, and then the only things they ever talk about are the the wonderful creations of George Lucas, episodes one through six. And much like that, there's a reason tonight we're debating the the uh, the quality of Alien 3 and not Alien Covenant. 
this series has been dead for a, a, quite a while. <laughs> and, you know, it killed itself. It, its original creators tore it apart. It's not... It, it, it's not... You shouldn't expect anything more from it. It's said all it has to say in those first three movies, in my opinion. And I don't expect any more from it. And, you know, it, will we even get anything as good as Alien versus Predator Requiem ever again? I highly doubt it. All right, Chris, love, I need love, you to love me some AVPR. That there is a fourth movie. <laughs> I don't I don't mind it. No, I'm not I'm not the I'm not the hater of of uh of Resurrection, you know? I was I I remember re- literally talking a Blockbuster employee into letting me rent that tape. Okay, you need to <laughs> like, like I enjoyed it. what a Blockbuster employee is yeah, for the youth yeah, that listen like, to this podcast. Exactly. Like I li- so like without it's radar without ID, I talked the man into letting me rent it and then proceeded to get it immediately confiscated by my parents. Like <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was, you know, I but I did eventually see it. I like it. I just don't think it's, you know, it's it's a hair closer to a legitimate sequel than than what came afterwards maybe except for, for prometheus that's pretty good you know it's like oh, I put, it's pretty- it's a little it's maybe a it's it's you know it's there with the avps in my opinion where i enjoy it maybe it's a little better than the avps but it's a, a side note to this trilogy conversation for sure answer me chris when disney finally makes another like installment in this franchise will sigaruni be in it i i i really hope that ship has sailed um i think that the last time she was thinking about it was this neil blancamp project and she did seem genuinely excited about that but we're already going back like what like five or six years to when that was on the table so like like i i hope not and i actually believe no she likes money and you know like she's in the disney good graces with avatar two through seven it's gonna be another AVP. It's gonna be Avatar versus President versus Predator. <laughs> no, no, I like Avatar versus President. That sounds President. Great. Yes, <laughs> Avatar versus Predator. Did any of you, any of you know? And I'm speaking to people in this call and to the audience that Sigourney Weaver plays herself in Finding Dory. What? Yeah, that, that's she's credited as herself in Finding this Dory. Is, <laughs> this okay. is all. You, this is all over. You know, even on Alien, if you if you know, and all our audience who I'm sure is looking up Alien Three on IMDb right now, you know, there's plenty of characters where it says Phil Davis as Kevin, and in brackets as Philip Davis. Zach, do you know why this is all over IMDb? Like, why is it that they're also playing themselves? Mm-hmm. It's on. It's on so many movies because their wow. characters don't have actual names. But there, it lists a character name, and then on three or four characters on Alien Three, it lists a character name, and then in brackets as his own name. I I, I can tell you why Sigourney Weaver is in uh, Finding Dory, though, as herself. <laughs> Sanger's like, I know that answer. I, I, I know that answer. So, no, okay. she's um, she's basically like the voiceover for like the park. Like, this is Sigourney Weaver. Welcome to whatever cove or whatever it is. Like, it's, it's her doing that. You can hear in the background. It's, it's the cute movie. that they think any children will, like, appreciate that at all. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's the part for the parents. 
Zangler's like, 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 the earth is kids, and he was like, ha ha! <laughs> That's keeping me involved. Then, then slowly puts on helmet. <laughs> it was also for Sigourney Weaver's bank account, too. Yes, oh yes. yeah. Yes. Chris, I think the thing that you're talking about on IMDb is IMDb's way of reflecting that the name in the credits of the movie of the actor is different from their credited name, because... As you notice, like uh, the IMDb uh, page for Phil Davis, he is not credit. He plays Kevin in this movie, but he's if you look at the credits, it will say like Kevin played by Philip Davis. I think it's a SAG thing uh, where they might have like Christopher might be referenced as Chris in some movies, but Chris Fairbank and Christopher Fairbank are the same actor. If that makes sense. Ah. Uh. We keep on doing this. Hopefully we move on. Oh, yeah, right. Well, you know, I was a genuine question, and uh, that's the correct answer because it's Phil. It's Philip rather than Phil. So there it is, everyone, in case you're wondering. Mm. All right. With all that being said, is it, we did it. We solved IMDb. We fixed the bastion of truth. <laughs> there, right there's off. no more problems with it at all. No, <laughs> no it's perfect. Crack the source we code on that one. Rhythm. Exactly. The message boards were gone, and we just tidied it up right here now. All right. With all that being said, anything else about uh, Alien to the Third Power? No, I think that was everything I had. I mean, other than, um, you know, write in, uh, email, tweet, whatever you have to do for Night Vader, write in the Facebook group. Comment down below. Um, and answer, give your answer to the, to the question, what if the planet was made of wood? That's what we want to hear. <laughs> write in. <laughs> All righty. Uh, so concludes this episode of the Knights of Vader, a Star Wars podcast. Check out the Facebook group if you too want to let us know about wood planets. Uh, if you like what you hear, please rate, review, subscribe to us on iTunes or whatever podcasting platform you're currently listening to us on. Thank you to Inspiriority Complex for providing our theme song. Check well, out the show notes to hear more from them. If you... Oh God! Else, if you want to also hear Rob and I talk about other nonsense regarding movies that don't feature wooden planets, much like this one, come listen to us on the Cinematis podcast, Rob, where we we will be talking about. There are two episodes this week. Actually, we have our three-year extravaganza that got released, and then our main episode is on Memento, which should involve a wooden planet. <laughs> Can only make it better. What All if right. the podcast was made of wood? We get at that on Cinematis. <laughs> Oh boy. All righty, Chris, when you are not defending Alien to the Third Power and being uh, Canada's premier third or fourth best vintage Star Wars collector, second. where can people find you? Oh, he's second now? Yeah. Oh boy. He's uh, I, there. I, first of all, I must refute you saying second or I'll be assassinated. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's no better than seventh for sure. Um, I, I, no offense meant we all know who number six is you don't need to like comment on this or anything but um you know defending alien three and being the seventh best canadian star wars collector are my two full-time jobs so i will not be found anywhere else doing anything other than that except occasionally posting pictures on uh the chris porteous on instagram there you go all righty rob i guess do you have anything to plug other than not watching hack snyder's justice league uh, no, check out Cinemodities. That's always good fun. Zach pointed you to an Inspiriority Complex. Check out that music as well. I think that's pretty much all I got for you. Um, and uh, I, I do have a question for Chris. So maybe we can do that in my in our like moment of my moment of Zang or something like that. Yeah, I don't know if Zanger's gonna get one. <laughs> you can you can have it. Please take it. 
<laughs> All righty, Mr. Joe, is there anything that you would like to plug or do you want to remain anonymous to uh, our uh, dozen of fans? Dozen of fans? No, no, but thanks for thanks for letting me ha- uh, join you guys on this wild ride. Sure. Oh, thank you for. Yeah, it was good having you, Joe. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yes. Look forward to Joe possibly during the Bad Batch, exclusively found on GCTV. Yes, no, I'm sorry, GC, GCTV, hosted <laughs> by Manu. We should get Man- Maria Menounos on for that episode. Maria Menounos, can you come on our podcast to talk about the Bad Batch? That would be hilarious. I would derail that episode so fast <laughs> because I'd be like, Maria Menounos, I need to talk to you about your professional wrestling career, which does exist, everybody. <laughs> I could I could do a I could do a, a bit on there about uh, a recipe I'm doing too. <laughs> perfect for gas station TV. <laughs> All right, Zanger. All right, Zanger. Um, <laughs> uh, Zanger, do you have anything? Or are you letting Rob just kind of like steal your thunder? No, no, no. I'm, I'm I mean I gotta promote where I'm at, but I will only promote it after I am spoken. Grand Ad. <laughs> Grand Admiral Zenger, where can people find you when you're not on the Knights of Vader podcast? Uh, when I'm not leading the 7th Imperial Fleet, you can find me on my own podcast, Zingness, where I discuss nerdy topics every week. You may commence with the rest of the episode. It's the Katana is- Fleet. No, uh, you know, in Legend, it's the Katana Fleet. It's the 7th Fleet in uh, canon. Ah. Explain, explains why I didn't know. In the second draft of the script, it was wood, so I don't know what anyone's talking about. <laughs> All the fleet was wood. I just I want mean. to point this out. You have given me the most stupidest point of knowledge I can ever feed to somebody if they ever say a dang thing about this movie. I'll be like, hey, you know, the plan was originally supposed to be wood. <laughs> Rob has made that the one the one takeaway from this episode. The planet was made at was one point. I uh, I, I hope that this catches on just like uh, big whiskey. Uh, <laughs> I, I hope that people in the Facebook group are just posting things like, "What if Star Wars was made of wood?" <laughs> All right, Rob. What is your moment of Zang? Okay, my moment of Zang is uh, as as deeply uh, important fans or knowledgeable fans of cinemodities might know. Chris was on an episode a while back to talk about Trading Places, which is a good movie and a good episode. Um, I have to ask Chris, have you seen Coming to America, the sequel to Coming to America? (laughs) I'm confused. (laughs) Well, you know, I don't know if you're presuming that I think the first one is good, but... um... (laughs) I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. (laughs) Okay. Well, Well, I... I I gathered what I could from reputable sources prior to hearing your wonderful episode on it and decided that it was better for my health that I do not partake. Okay, I have not seen it either, but I wanted to to n- see if you had heard that apparently um, Colin, Colin Jost is in that movie and he is playing the grandson of our two wonderful old rich white men from Trading Places. So the sequel to Coming to America still has the Trading Places connection from what I've heard. Wait, so you you mean you're so you're saying we're not going to get an awesome Cinemodities episode about it? No, I don't want to watch that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, all right. Well, I, I'm, I'm glad it has character continuity with Trading Places. Yes, but I'm yes. sure it's a super disaster. And I, I'm sorry in advance for anyone who has already watched it at the time of hearing what I'm currently saying. Peace be with you. <laughs> that was oh, my also with you. 
Oh, God. Hey, everybody. Got a new episode after three months. I hope you're happy. Uh, <laughs> I hope someone's happy after all this. All right. Good night. Good night. Goodbye. And as always, may the force be with you.